The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night. What are you doing? Is that your new mix? I'm just playing around. You uh, are not a DJ, you fuck. No. Kelly, how are you, sir? I'm I'm good, man. Thank Thanks you very much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, pleasure. Forrest Griffin recommends you. That's good enough for me. And uh, <laughs> your book is uh, fascinating. I started looking into your book, and uh, as I was telling you before the podcast, I've been having some back issues myself. I have like a bulging disc in my neck. The, the name, Becoming a Supple Leopard, where did you come up with that name? Was that... A couple ideas. One is uh, I have some <clears throat> tactical friends who are scary, and uh, they're always stiff and messed up. And, you know, he told me, Kelly, the leopard doesn't stretch. And I was like, well, that's good. I'm glad you're using that leopard defense because, A, you're not a leopard. Two, you don't know how a leopard feels. But then I started thinking about it, Like, leopard can sort of attack and defend at full physical capacity. You don't see the leopard activating its glutes or warming up right. or, or prepping. It's just awesome. So why the hell don't you have full physical capacity? Why are you in pain? You know, the resting state of the human being should be pain-free. You're designed to be 110. What's going on? Why is that? Why? <laughs> it's because you suck at moving. And you're, you're a human being. You make a ton of movement errors. No one ever gave you the software for your beautiful hardware. You know, you're beat up. You have take some injuries. You, you eat like crap sometimes. That's a big one, isn't it? The software for your beautiful hardware. That goes with the mind as well. Like, man, just managing being a human. It's difficult. It's not that easy. Well, who says it should be, like, not an easy skill? So the bottom line is that we've been sort of kind of sold this horrible mess that, like, you can just get on the treadmill. You don't have to think. Bullshit. Like, you are a very, very skilled human being. That skill takes work, probably work every day. So, meaning that you can't just get on a treadmill and be a, a healthy person with no pain. Like, you have to do physical, real physical work. You have to do real workouts. Well, I think we've moved beyond. I think everyone knows you need to probably put the time in under some weights. You probably need to breathe really hard. But what we're really talking about is being a skilled human. Can you do everything that a human being needs to be able to do? Yes or no? Can you, can you squat down with your feet together like you're in Thailand having dinner? Yes or no? If you can't, you don't have flank or range of motion. Why not? That's why you have plantar fasciitis. That's why you tore your Achilles. This is why you have back pain. So the, the thing is that you're, you should be very, very skilled in your thinking, very, very skilled in your – and cultivate the practice. 350 years ago, Musashi writes the book of the five rings. He says, your combat stance is your everyday stance. And you're like, wow, that's so deep. Where the short sword goes, your belly needs to be firm. He's talking about your core, you know? Right. From your feet to your knees, you need to be able to create tension. He's probably talking about torque and having your feet straight. So we're not the first people to take a crack at it, but we are the same people who've made the same mistakes over and over again, and you should be skilled. We don't teach the skill. You've been spending your genetics, and then you wake up one day and you've herniated a disc, and you're like, what the hell happened? So your, your skill in movement, like you need to know how to stand. You need to know the correct posture. Is that what you're saying? Like that kind of thing? Well, or? look, my life's work as a dream as a child was not to lecture adult men about posture. Like this is not the, the apex. But it turns out good standing position in yoga is called Tadasana, right? You should know mm -hmm. how to do that, yes or no. And it's also the setup position for the deadlift. The problem is that it's hard to kind of understand – what positions you need to be in, what is full range of motion. Finally, we have a language, and that language is the modern language of strength and conditioning. If you can press and pull and roll, you know, we, you know, you hear the debunked, uh, <clears throat> thinking about the old strength coaches, say, like, bench press, it ties the shoulders to the arms, and you're like, what the hell does that mean? Right. Well, it turns out if you teach kids to create torque off of a fixed object and explain what the purpose of that is, you need to be skilled. Well, then it turns out in guard, you can create torque off of any position. You can gra grab the shopping cart and be in a stable shoulder position. So it turns out that the posture that we adopt day to day, like right now, are you in a good position or a bad position? 
horrible position. That's I'm right. always in a horrible position right. 24 hours a day. That's right. So is it, is it okay to be unconscious in a zombie and turn your abs off? Or? You've already scared him so much that he'll never work out for like the next month. He's not going to work out now. You're freaking him out, man. No, I just have this thing every time. Like I know I slouch. My, my whole life yeah. is slouching. If I sit, sit like this, it looks like I'm trying to show off my delicious boobs. <laughs> but you should. That's how you should think. I, I know. This is how you want to be healthy. Just tell the world, here's my delicious boobs. I don't like it. But I've been doing that lately, man. And I'm telling you, that is... There's been a bunch of different things that I've done lately that have mitigated my back pain, but one of them is I've been really, really cognizant of my posture. For like the first time in my life, I have a horrible slump, and I just didn't think it was no big deal. I thought it was like, so I don't like standing up straight. What do I give a fuck? But I didn't think it had like health repercussions. Well, I didn't think the damage it could do for your your discs. Well, let's let's look at it. So, <clears throat> you know, you you get away with it. You're a pretty good athlete. You have been an athlete your whole life. You know, you're black belt. You know how to train. You take care of yourself. Do all these things, and all of a sudden. Something's not working, right? And the the type one error that we make as as humans is that hey, I've always done it, and I'm the, could be the best in the world. I know so many gold medalists and so many world champions, world record holders who have terrible positions and bad mechanics and pain. They're still the best in the world. So it's, you can't use that I'm the best in the world excuse. The issue is, are you optimized? Are you in the best position possible for you? Are we maximizing your potential? Comma, we use pain as a lagging indicator. I wait till I have pain, swelling. Uh, numbness and tingling, loss of range of motion. Then suddenly, oh, I have a problem. That's like driving your car around until it blows up and then being like, I should put some oil in. Yeah, I know I fucked up in not getting regular massages. I know I fucked up by not doing enough yoga. I, I know, I know I fucked no, up. No, no, that, that's not – this is the problem. Is that, really? Yeah. <clears throat> so massage is great. It helps you down-regulate, take care of your tissues, you know, having someone's It's really a good on. idea, right? It's a great idea. And stretching. So, but the problem yeah, – stretching, we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. Stretching doesn't work. Stop stretching. After you work out? Stop stretching. Well, how do you get really flexible? Well, we, we take a systems approach that doesn't include the word stretching because stretching has sort of been co-opted by thinking about lengthening your muscles. So okay. let's, take, let's take your neck, for, for example, right? One of the things we look at is, you know, is your spine in an optimal position? Yes right. or no? And what we see is that if you're rounding your thoracic spine, we'll get that little hunch, right. right? Which is easy if you're texting or sitting all day long. Yeah. Your head ends up a little forward. For every inch in front of your center of mass your head is, it's plus 10 pounds. So your, your head weighs 11 pounds. Plus an inch, it's another 22 pounds. Like eight. Okay, oh, so it's, it's super, it's super thin. <laughs> There's not a lot going on there. So let's so extrapolate that out. So running 400 meters, it's 330 steps, right? right? That's 330 loads. If you look at sort of the the flexion load moment on your neck, extrapolate it out times four. So it, and wow. bottom line is that your nervous system isn't optimized. This, this is – the physiology of the human being is no longer debatable. We know what the best position is. Right. If I put your head in this position, I can decrease your force production instantaneously. When did everybody sort of come to a consensus on this? Like when did people really start understanding like real physical training and how, how do you correct bad posture and issues like what you're talking about? Is this like fairly recent information? I would say this is very recent. And the reason it's recent – when did the book come out, right? Um, when did we start Mobility Watt? The issue is that for the first... What is WAD? Workout of the day? Is that what it day. is? The idea is All like... All those CrossFit look, fuckers and their acronyms. Hey, we'll do thrusters later. It's cool. <laughs> thrusters? Mm. Look, That's the bottom line is we, we, <laughs> we kept... The guy who's got a book about being a supple leopard and then he wants to do thrusters. Yo, man, I'm going to do what, some what is this show? Fill in the blank. I'm from San you know, Francisco. If you just say that to people. I, I lived there as a child. So, uh... It's a great town. Come fed thrusters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Settle down over there. <laughs> 
Sorry. I don't remember where we were. He's a grown man. <laughs> um, we were talking about how long this information has has been out there. So look at look at what's happened with the onset of the internet. We have literally mm-hmm. kind of hit some kind of threshold where, for the first time in real time, we have the best practices, test retests being shared. Platforms, coaches are talking to strength coaches, talking to nutritionists. Let's use your own, uh, you know, show as a model. Look at the people okay. you've brought on, right? Experts in their fields, legitimate, and for the first time, we start to kind of tie in these very disparate uh, systems. Uh, you know, suddenly nutrition guys are talking to gymnasts, talking to physios, mm-hmm. and we were able to connect the dots in ways that we wouldn't. I mean, two thousand years ago, the yogis figured out that putting your arms over your head didn't align the chakras. It put the shoulder into a stable position, you know. And so mm-hmm. it's not like we haven't taken a crack at the human condition before, but for the first time, we can sort of integrate the fields. Well, it turns out that that. That shoulder position is the same position you should have your shoulder if you're pressing or if you're a young gymnast blocking. It's the same shoulder. The, the motor control and technique has been worked out for us because humans are obsessed with performance. They're obsessed with lifting heavier weights and going faster. When we start to kind of underlie the physiology and match that up with the principles, now, like, look, if you go into any, any gym on the planet, people are front squatting and running and Olympic lifting and swinging kettlebells. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom brags about her deadlift PR, right? She has an artificial knee. You know what I mean? Like, cats are sleeping with dogs. Your mom has an artificial knee and she does deadlifts? Who doesn't deadlift with an artificial knee? Why not? So, that's a gangster. Right, and she's gluten free, right? So, if. And gluten free. That's right. So, if. if, (laughs) No, you can't. I want to definitely get to the the, the gluten issue. That's a very controversial issue. No, it's not controversial. I mean, amongst a lot of people. Maybe not to you, but amongst a lot of people, it is. The issue is suddenly we can tie these fields together, and because we have the way to share the information, and then we also are – maybe you've noticed we're in the center of a human epoch. Okay, yeah. It's a renaissance. For sure. Like look at the MMA movement. People are like, hey, I should probably learn how to fight and roll. And mm-hmm. like the, the self, self-empowerment, I'm not going to have a pension. I'm going to have a 401K. I'm going to manage it myself. Oh, I'm not, it turns out I'm, I'm responsible for my own health care. Like right. the center of responsibility has definitely shifted back to us. The nutrition information is sort of distilled down and shifted back to us. Like you can start making better decisions about your life and realize you have to because right. no one else is going to do it for you. Right? And I think we're, we're, we're in a culture of people waking up. And for the first time now – People are engaged in real strength and conditioning systems. They are front squatting. They are working hard. I mean, I think in uh, Pavel, and it was like one of his first books, he mm. there was a uh, he was a Brazilian uh, fighter who did the ten minutes like snatch test with the kettlebell and he almost killed him. And it took him like ten minutes or something, right? And he waves about it. And now, like, I have like fourteen year old kids who can do that in four minutes. Wow! So the work capacity model is out. So everyone now is realizing, hey, I need to work better. I need to work harder. I mean, that I mean, everyone shows up super fit now. Right, they really do. I mean, everyone's got pull-ups and they're working hard and doing Tabata. Mm-hmm. We've done a really good job, but we're not still telling people what the best position is. We're not. We're not kind of connecting dots because we can get away with a, write a lot of bad checks until we get injured. Right, and then you you're the reason. I think the reason we're having good success with the book and with the with our our video stuff and is that I'm going to see you either because you're broken or because you're losing, and both of those things are the same conversation. And one of the I think the real problems is that. This this information has been mired in the injury prevention, you know, do this and you won't get injured. But right. you're like, I'm not injured now. I feel great and I'm, I'm the best in the world. So why should I give a care? Now we can start to say, hey, by the way, this conversation is about where you're dumping torque, where you can't get into good guard position, where you're bleeding force on the wall, where you're, you know, and then we start having that conversation. And it turns out that the shoulder's the shoulder. So if you start to understand the principles of movement, you understand what we're trying to do in the gym, 
then you can start to translate that stuff instantaneously to whatever sport you're doing. So it's more of a, like a physical intelligence sort of a, a, an idea that you're, you're trying to impart physical intelligence, like moving correctly? Well, it's moving correctly. So to, think about position. Position is a skill. Mm-hmm. Can you do all the things? Like if I ask you to um, keep your spine flat and reach over and grab a case of beer, can you do that, yes or no? Like I don't, I don't need a bunch of tests on your lumbar spine to look at stability. Do you know how to brace? Can you get into a good position and maintain that stability? Or something simple like we used ankle range of motion before because people are getting blown up running poorly with these new shoes, right? The these flat motherfuckers. Shoes. Those new shoes are no good? No, they're amazing, but you don't have flank range of motion. Your feet are weak. You run like a duck, and you don't know how to run. So, How rude, first of all. Jesus. I mean, I mean, very aggressive. I mean the royal you. So, I understand what you're saying. What's happening is that we have – I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny. <laughs> what's happening is we've got to basically say – you know, if position is a skill, do you possess the motor control? Mm-hmm. Do you have the skill, the technique right. to be able to do this? Yes or no? And then also do you have the biomechanics? And the problem is we've gotten pretty good at the motor control. We're figuring that out. But people's biomechanics are wretched. And the difference is the reason we have WAD at the end of our name, Mobility WAD, is it takes some maintenance. Mm-hmm. You should, A, know that you probably take 10 minutes a day to work through your crap. Well, just you need 10 minutes of preventive maintenance on the car every day. You, you know, you got to put gas in. You, just the way your nutrition is sort of dialed in the course of the day, you develop a practice of 10 or 15 minutes of some basic maintenance, and then that allows you to deal with the things that are up front, like, hey, my neck's killing me, my back's killing me, I have these mm-hmm. problems, or I just go hunting. So we look at uh, Kobe, tears his Achilles. You know, how much did that cost him? What's that cost his team, you know, in revenue? What about A-Rod or... Uh, Lady Gaga tears her hip. She has, Lady refund, Gaga. She, has she had to refund $30 Those other guys are guys. Those guys are guys. You don't understand. It like Lady Gaga could just roll out there and they'd still love her. $30 million hip. $30 million is how much she had to refund. Wow. So, Damn, that bitch is powerful. Yeah. Powerful Lady Gaga. $30 million <laughs> if you hurt your hip. What's, so, the, what's the word if you hate, hurt your hip? <laughs> Not that much. How, how much does your back pain cost? So right. the, I think the real, the real question is, you know, it's What's human, causing these issues? Well, it's a human right to know how mm-hmm. to move. That should not. There should not be a physical therapist. And I'm. Let's be clear. I'm, I have a clinical doctor in this thing. I should not be standing between you and knowing how to move more effectively, mm-hmm. and you and knowing how to fix it. This is, stuff is so simple. It's a human right. That's what we're trying to do. Spread the love. When you see some people that have like ridiculous natural intelligence with their bodies, and that's what I'm calling. Um, that's right. Athleticism. There's a natural intelligence, and it's much like some people are just way better at doing whatever singing. Some people could just fucking sing, and some people just know how to move their body. But other people, man, there's some dudes like you just can't teach them certain things. Like I, I remember um, t- when I was teaching Taekwondo, there was always these kids that would just learn everything so quick, and there was always some people that, for whatever reason, their body just didn't move right. Hundred percent right. Now, when you see a guy like that, how do you correct that? Well, the real issue is, you know. At what point do we start to develop skills in kids, right? Right. So how do we? What's that athletic language? Okay. It's not about recess. You know, think about you're wired to move correctly as a human. So my daughter, age 11 months, squats like West Side style, <laughs> like she does, right? Because it turns out all the con- all the conduits are there. Right. You still got to run the wires through the conduits, and that's why we get kids who came out of fighting some kind of martial arts early on, kids who mm-hmm. came out of gymnastics early on, some kind of movement system dance, they all right. move better, right? Right. And that was because there are some basic primary shapes that we taught kids, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have this language onto, onto which you can sort of layer athleticism. 
But suddenly there's some kids who figure it out early on, and it shouldn't be in happenstance. Like every kid should know how to jump and land. So how about this? ACL injury rates in kids under 12 up 400%. Wow. Don't you think we should have cured that? That's, is that because of more competition? Is it just because of poor movement? I think we don't teach kids how to move. I think we expect that this is a natural thing. Well, kids people sit. injure themselves, though, in athletics. I mean, I've, I've torn two ACLs, and it wasn't because of bad movement. Okay, fair enough. So let's take all the orthopedic injuries on the planet. Right. And let's divide them into a couple categories. The first category is pathology. Something mm -hmm. wrong with you, right? You have kidney infection or Lyme right. disease, right? There's something sketchy going on. Mm -hmm. um, one of my wife's friends mothers had back pain constant back pain they'd seen her everyone was treating her for back pain turns out she had spinal cancer right she had metastasized cancer wow. there's a pathology there that happens once in a while and that's why you're like hey dude you're my training partner something's wrong with you right go get checked out mm -hmm. this is our physicians we handle pathology beautifully the second is catastrophe sometimes i work with every branch of the government all the tier one assets, they're going to be parachuting downwind at night and land on a stump and break their ankle. You're going to get right. swept and have someone, some fat guy roll into your ACL. That's going to happen. Right. Those are 2% category problems. Hmm. The 98% is totally preventable. It's you working in bad positions until you spondy, until you tear your labrum, until right. you, right? That's it. Yeah, and it's also fatigue. Fatigue, fatigue cause your body to buckle know. onto you occasionally, so, causes well, you to have poor form. That's true. So the issue is, you know, can you maintain a position under the duress of cardiorespiratory demand, right? Mm -hmm. you re I heard you say a, a couple times you're like CrossFit, you know, like, give me a fighter, right? Because the, the expression of being able to sh hold these shapes and fight and wrestle under huge metabolic demand and cardiorespiratory demand is what makes fighting really good. And people have really done a good job of taking the conditioning off the table now. These, mm -hmm. these athletes are so conditioned, right? But if you lose position because you're breathing hard, because you're metabol under metabolic demand or load, right, or you're stressed, then what you see is you see incomplete training. And the whole point of mm -hmm. the training is to exceed your capacities so that you can maintain the robustness and fluency of your positions so that when it comes time to dance or do what you need to do, you can do those things and you don't end up giving position. So you're saying that you know, understanding human movement and understanding how to do anything correctly sort of will lead to an improvement in athleticism across the board. 100%, one-to-one. -one. So if you walk like a duck, let's just say this. Like okay. if, if, we, if we take a, a pull How about Tim Sylvia? Do you know who Tim Sylvia is? No. Tim like Sylvia is a former UFC heavyweight champion, a great fighter, just a big, big giant dude. But he always had a, like a pigeon-toed thing going on. Okay, so and I think that was – is that a genetic thing or is it just – Well, genetic is in his mom walked like that and his dad walked like that and he patterned like that. So hmm. in the NFL, for example, they, really? won't, they won't draft you. Dude, you wear flip-flops? There's a culture of wearing flip-flops? Uh -huh. What happens to your ankle if I take away your, your capacity to flex your ankle? You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to walk through the ankle. So what do you do? You walk around the ankle. So this is the mechanism for bunion. If that navicular bone starts to collapse and you see uh -huh. that foot collapse down, then that's a tell. It's called a pathognomonic tell for ACL injury. In fact, in the NFL scouts look for that fallen navicular drop, the navicular drop, and they, they downgrade you because they think you're more likely to tear ACL. So how did, what is it called again? Navicular drop. Navicular so drop. The navicular bone is flat on the ground. Well, it totally seems like you'd be more likely to tear your ACL. You it looks whole, like your knees right. are kind of going in 100%. towards each other all the time. No kid... Every child is born with flat feet, but no kid actually has flat feet. And what ends up happening is it takes a couple of years, the arches develop, we see they around two. But it turns out that your ankle works best when it's straight up and down, walking straight. So when the problem is that when you walk with the foot out, you can still create a ton of torque, the stability, you can kick people really hard, you can run really fast. But as soon as that leg comes behind you, 
then what's happened is that your hip is in an unstable position, you've added a little twist into your knee, your ankle has collapsed, and you're starting to dump torque so that that back foot, if you're pushing off that back foot to kick someone or hit someone, you've lost a little force there. It's a little force bleed, a little force dump. So imagine that you walk around like that position with your feet turned out and you mm -hmm. take 10,000 steps a day because you're an average person. 10,000 steps. So just do the math on that. 70,000 steps a week, quarter million steps a month, three million steps, and suddenly you've practiced this foot turned out position. The jumping and landing with your feet turned out is not okay. That's the mechanism for so many of the ACL injuries, huh. all the foot injuries. And is it preventable? Yeah, your first thing is your coach is like, hey, stand with your feet straight. If we test you right now, had you jump up from a like a, from the bottom position, you know, up onto your feet. Uh -huh. If your feet were out, I can sweep you so easily. Right. If your feet are straight, you have options. You can cut left, you can cut right, you can jump. But if you foot, turned your feet out, you lose this position. Right. So <clears throat> I can also look at your hip function. So if I turn your feet out and your knees come in, right, that's what happens. You shut your hip musculature off. So it's not that you have a weak hip, but your hip is functionally muted. You basically put yourself into a mechanically bad position. I lose hip function, which means I lose power. So it's not a genetic predisposition. It's a training early on that was incorrect. Practice, practice, practice. So I was at Disneyland with my friend. And my, my friend's family is like, this girl's walking like a duck. I mean, we've talked about it. You know, he's like, oh, my God, what do we do? You know, do we see an She's orthopedic just surgeon? looking for dick. That's what that is. Just cutting a big, wide path. She doesn't want to close it off. Conservative girls will close it off. They'll do it with a pigeon style. But but you're not thinking that through because women are generating more torque in that position. They're just letting you know what's up. Do you want to be loose or do you want to create torque? I don't think they're thinking like that, man. I don't no, think you don't have to like think about it. That's the problem. Ah, it needs to think about that. This kid is like... <laughs> so my friend is like, hey, you know, what do we do? I'm like, well, have you asked your daughter not to walk like a duck? Because it turns out you need training and coaching. And this is why wow. you have training partners. And he's like, hey, Eva, can you uh, make your feet straight? She's like, sure, Dad. And the problem was fixed from then on. Wow. But so a guy like Tim Sylvia, who's in his 30s, do you think you could fix that? Like if you got with Tim, you could, couldn't, is it too sure. late? No, well, here's the deal. My wife has this great saying. She's like, make a better decision. She looks at me and she's like, that's a bad decision. So it's not just, I have a hard time believing that the way that guy's frame is. Like Tim was a great fighter in spite of his genetics. So, you know, so he, what you're saying is how do I optimize my genetics? How do I take the best athletes in the world and make them better? And this is the revolution we're in right now. It's not just about injury prevention. Right. I know that if I put you into a better position where you can squat more, jump higher, cut harder, punch harder, kick harder, chances are that sort of aggregates into better performance, right? Well, imagine if it's someone jumping down from a wall with a 100-pound pack in Afghanistan. Do you think that that's a good position or a bad position? Or if I have to sprawl or get up and change directions for my officers, this is the same deal. Right. The problem is we don't sort of connect the dots. Look, uh, Daniel Coyle wrote, wrote this great book called The Talent Code. Have you guys read that? Well, it no. turn, turns out skill is a complex biological phenomenon. That's it. So what ends up happening is that when you practice a skill, and what we know it takes 10,000 hours, a million reps, right? A child has to do something six to 10,000 times before it becomes functional, right? The key to adult learning is repetition. You've heard all of this before. Right. Well, it turns out that when neurons that fire together wire together, what happens is those, that Schwann cell, that oligodendrocyte, comes in and myelinates that pathway. So practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So who you are right now is who you're going to be under stress, who you are right now. Right. So why wouldn't you start cultivating a better position all the time? Because it's free money, right? And it starts to show up. The greatest thing about competition, especially fighting, is that we're going to find out who you are. We're going to find out what your conditioning level is. We're going to find out what your skill is. We're going to find out where you go mentally when it gets tough, right? That's the point of why we train and why we fight, because it helps us self-actualize and see the problems. When we start 
turning this all into performance, and it's got to be measurable. We can measure mm-hmm. that. I was having a call today on the way in with one of my Tour de France cyclists, unbelievable, phenomenal athlete, right? His foot was a little stiff in the ankle, and his knee used to wobble. And you, know, huh. and, and you think, oh, that's not good. Would you imagine if I was walking and my knees wobbled every single time or I kicked you every single time your knee would wobble? Right. Well, it turned out his ankle was stuck. And I showed him how to free up his ankle, and guess what? His wattage went up, and he won the Tour de Suisse. So it's not his, an accident. His ankle was stuck? Stiff. Oh, just stiff. Just yeah. it needed to be worked out? Imagine if you um, – it's not you know, and it's not just stretching, right? Right. Think about your calves, for example. They take tons of abuse. Right. Running, it can be upwards of, what, five, six times impulse body weight. Think about kicking. Mm-hmm. So if your Achilles is straight up and down and is designed to pull straight up and down, what happens when that ankle collapses a little bit? Now your Achilles is off axis, right? pulls laterally. This is the mechanism for the, the Achilles rupture mm-hmm. is that I take this very powerful tissue, load it sideways. Well, not only is it, am I likely to injure myself, but that tissue doesn't work very well. It gets stiff. So if I just pull on it, you know, well, let me just stretch. Oh, that didn't change anything because I'm just pulling on the kind of contractile features. We're not dealing with the stiffness of the, the sliding surfaces, the fascia, or the muscle stiff, is the joint capsule. You just have to start thinking in a, in a systems approach. And the thing is, it's stinking easy. We use jump stretch bands and lacrosse balls. This information has just been like kind of kept in this dark closet. You know, oh, I have knee pain. I, I, can, I can rear naked choke 17 people and fight and do all these things, but I don't know what to do with my knee pain. That's ridiculous. You're an incomplete athlete, incomplete human. So what do you do to people that are fucked up like that? Like when a guy comes to you and he's got knee pain, you just correct the way he moves? Well, that's the first thing. And the reason we always go after movement first Mm -hmm. is that the movement often, if we correct your movement patterning and then the gym, it's not just about getting stronger or fitter. It's about perfect practice, like the formal language of movement. Like the gym is like the best expression of modern human ballet, right? It's the formal. But mm-hmm. we are freestyle dance battlers. That's what we do. But if you can speak this way, I don't like where torque, this is going. Freestyle dance battlers? I'm a dancer. You can't get me down. <laughs> <laughs> the issue is that one is how do, I, how do I make the invisible visible? How do I take a guy like that? I can see it. I'm uh-huh. really good. You can okay. see it. And pretty soon what's going to happen is honestly, if you pick up this book, and I'm not trying to pitch this thing, but you can see it. You start to get the vision, and it's so bad. You can see how people are moving. You go to the Olympics, and all, you just watch the Olympics, and you're like, that guy could go faster. Why is his knee wobbling? Why is that, sh- that shoulder incomplete? So first thing we do is we prioritize the movement. Can you correct the formal language of that? So Because especially in a pattern that I've done a billion times. Like mm-hmm. Let's take my Olympic rowers, right? These Olympic rowers have pulled 30 or 40 strokes a minute for 200 kilometers a week for as long as they've been rowing. It's insane, the patterns. So how am I going to break that pattern? Am I going to mess with them? No, that's your coach's job. Your coach teaches you technique. My job as a strength and conditioning coach or as the training partner is to make, give you a new pattern in this very formal language like called front squatting, swinging kettlebells, you know, doing the basic language, finding the problems, addressing the problems, practicing the movement, and guess what? Every single time our athletes can put it back into the field more effectively. So what you're saying essentially for the layman is when you're doing something like rowing, it's a very specific movement. So you essentially provide movement in the opposite direction or like if you're pulling, pushing. So like, the, here's what you're doing. We've, we've basically confused people because okay. there's all of these movements, right? But it, mainly the spine has a few shapes needs to be able to pick something up with my spine braced, 
right? Which is straight, right. straight up and down. Straight up and down, brace correctly. Okay. You probably need to be able to do a somersault, don't you think? A forward roll? Yeah. That's, forward a, that's a forward language, right? So that's a, glo- that's a globally flexed position. Can you do that, yes or no? Right. And if we had you do that, we would see that you had a little dead spot in your thoracic spine where it's stiff, mm-hmm. right? We're not getting good rolling. Um, if I was going to you know, swim or, or block a, bat, a net, you know, a ball at the net as a volleyball player, we'd see the same thing. You mm-hmm. need to be in that globally flexed and globally extended positions. Do you have fluid fluency? Like Ido Portal, great thinker about this stuff. He's like, what do you mean you can't roll backwards and roll off your back? Like that's how you fall a lot, backwards. So why haven't we taught people this basic tumbling skills? Oh, that's what gymnastics is. So your spine only does a couple of very serious things, you know, and we can, we can make some nuanced changes, but that's the basic language. The shoulders have a couple basic laws that when your shoulders are in front of your body, right, from your, from your hands up to your head, they have a stable position, and that position is external rotation. It's trying to break the bar. You know all these cues. Screw your feet into the ground is a cue to create torque and stability at the hip. Well, it turns out if you understand the movement principles, then when you're in these shapes, you're climbing, you're in a bad shape, you can always create a stable position or a position where you're going to generate the most force practicing that in the gym and also making it easy to understand because when you're fighting it's hard to see where you're giving away torque and power it's hard Mm -hmm. to see how your limited hip function right you're missing hip flexion like bringing your knee to your chest you can't do it Mm -hmm. well how do we know well that's the mechanism for hip impingement and torn labrum and all the problems we see but if i ask you to squat can you get into the bottom position of a pistol for example Mm -hmm. right that that basic shape it's not an accident that, you know, the Sazen, like the kneeling position, like a lot of people can't kneel. That's a full range of motion of your ankle. You know, that, that, these are the basic shapes. The formal languages of movement, fighting, gymnastics, all of these things, people have worked this out, yoga. And so you don't need to do yoga if you lift heavy weights and you understand what you're doing. If you're putting your arms over your head and snatching, you probably are doing muscle snatch or swinging a kettlebell. Chances are you understand yoga without understanding yoga. You don't need to do yoga. I think people do yoga for other stuff too, right? Well, I mean, this is this is also we got to get into this. They do butts. it for their head. Girls' butts. Girls' butts. But dudes do, do it you think, for your do head. Do you think girls do it for girls' butts? Yes, they that's do. Awkward. They, they want to build their butt up. Do you, that's what you it's say. weird how it never works, though, isn't it? Strange. This girl it never works. Yoga. Well, you have to be a skinny, skinny fat girl. A skinny fat girl will do yoga. Let me let me tell you a story. <laughs> oh, please do. I was in Australia with my family. <laughs> We're staying at the Byron Bay. I don't know if you've been there. It's beautiful, and there's a spa, and my wife's like, hey, there's a yoga class. You should take that, you know, you fat guy. Like, it'll be good for you, and it'll be entertaining for them. So Mm -hmm. I show up. There's, like, 20 girls already in their yoga costumes, and the woman sees me, and she looks at me just like I look at you, and you're like, fuck, this girl, this guy is huge. He's going to be inflexible. He's going to take up all my resources. But I understand what the stable shoulder position is in any sport, in any platform, because it's the same shoulder. We understand the physiology. Can you get into that shape, yes or no? Can you make mm-hmm. your spine stable, yes or no? Right? Punching is the same thing as, as being in downward dog, basically. Punching is? Well, I mean, you like, you know, just like, do you understand what the stable shoulder position is mm-hmm. before you unload? It's the same thing, right? Do you, right. Are you organized? Are you, are you in a bad position when you punch? Some punches, like especially uppercuts and hooks, you're in a very weird position. Weird position, but do you, can you express the full physiology? So what there is a good position. So the issue is if you're limited range of motion, let's take Forrest, right? You know, he's got a bad wing, right? He's missing some range of motion on that shoulder, right? Some things he's been working on for a long time, right? He got dumped in a bad shape. The question is, you know, he, that limits his movement 
language down to very few. He has a few ranges he's very effective in and some ranges where he's not very effective in. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Forrest, I'm giving away the, the keys to the castle here. But uh, it had to be Forrest Griffin in a bar fight. But the real issue is that if you have like, – one of the basic archetypes for the human being is you should be able to put your arm straight up over your head. Uh -huh. Rib cage down, armpit forward. Right? As if you're holding a, a dumbbell over your head. Right. Kettlebell gives you a little bit more breathing room. But can you hold two 55-pound kettlebells over your head? Yes or no? That's full range of motion, right? But you need to be able to be stable here and stable here, still overhead, stable here, stable here, stable here. So what happens is if I have full range of motion and I train in these formal ways of creating torque off these objects, right? I'm, I'm swinging kettlebells. I'm breaking the bar. I'm bench pressing. I'm pressing. I'm doing push-ups. All the things we do, then that gives me movement possibilities where I can uh -huh. still be in, in a tenuous position and still generate force. Right? So I see what you're saying. So in uh, being able to press overhead is equally important to be able to press sideways. That's right, because it helps me know what the stable shoulder position is, and that gives me options. Is so it really possible to generate the exact same amount of strength through the entire range of like kettlebells no, no. extended 90 degrees? No. Or, no, but we can still know what the stable position for the shoulder is. So you strengthen it as much as you can. Well, but we, there's always going to be gravity and yeah, leverage. Right, so you know the front rack, for example, and listen, like the good coaches, like Dan John, great mm -hmm. coach, says something like, hey, you should be able to pick something up off the ground. You should be able to carry it around and put it over your head. Like that's pretty elemental. Right. Well, picking up off the ground, deadlift, right, that's a basic archetype. Reaching into the crib, grabbing my baby, picking up the keg. Right. You know, someone is jumping on you in guard, right? They, they wrap their legs around you while you're in standing position. That's a deadlift, yes mm -hmm. or no. So can you do that, right? Picking something up is the kind of this hang position, this is one of the archetypes of the shoulder, which is what, Kimura? When you're, you know, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just a crappy fighter, but I get it. Mm -hmm. So do I have full range of motion in my shoulder? And if I don't, in this position, I'll compensate because I'm a human being. And now my shoulder is forward, and now I'm in a bad position. So what ends up happening is that I start fighting and organizing and generating force. Like Chuck Liddell had that, you know, John Hackleman. He called me up one time. He's like, oh, my shoulder's killing me. I'm like, well, you can't punch with this totally internally rotated crappy position forever and not expect your shoulder to ache, right? Mm -hmm. And how do he fix it? Well, he started restoring his range of motion, cleaning up the movement mechanics in this other formal thing called training, and then that allowed him to express better mechanics. When you start to see the breakdowns, and it's, it's part of it, like how do you make the, stimul the, adaptation for stim the stimulus for adaptation to get, become a better human being, to be a more effective athlete, to train, we put our kids under load. Like my daughter deadlifts; she deadlifts twenty pounds. Why? How old is she? Eight. She's she's a monster. My second she's daughter deadlifting. My uh, we actually have a two hundred pound stone. That's awesome. In the front yard, and the boys have to be able to pick that stone up during date. My kids. It's the first step. Wow. Wow. That's the first test. Then there's an intellectual writing test. To take her on a date, they have to pick up a two hundred pound rock. Seems fair to me. Dude. Can I try? That seems like she's going to have issues. <laughs> uh, you can try. <laughs> Men have tried and failed and tried and died. I'll just say that. All right? So That's hilarious. 200-pound so, rock. Man, so, I don't know if I could pick up a 200-pound rock. Of course that you That shit could. has got to be really hard to do. No. But is it shaped like? I think that's important. Smooth, round, stone. Wait, how old is she? She's eight. But yeah, it should weigh a lot. Why would you want to let your eight-year-old date somebody? Yeah, who the fuck is going to be able to pick? Yeah, that's, that's true. true. That's messed up. <laughs> that's true. So, good point. It's so, a very good point. Right, so... It's got a good point. We have to we have to use a little external load to teach people shapes. Mm -hmm. That's why you can do boot camp and never learned how to move and still move like crap and still get injured. Look, I mean, the army has a million non-combat related orthopedic injuries every year. This is my shout out to all my kids in the military who listen to this podcast because there are a ton of them who listen to you. Right? 
85% of Marine Force Recon retire in full disability. Why? Because they have – it's not just the IEDs. It's because we're putting kids in bad positions. We don't train them for these basic shapes, basic iterations of how to protect their body, and we don't do the maintenance. You can't be a Marine, carry a 100-pound pack in a bad position, be dehydrated. Your body is going to get stiff. So what do you do about that? Well, we know how to fix it. We know how to re-optimize, reclaim the positions. So you're saying that guys that don't even get wounded in combat wind up being debilitated just because of injuries? So we're saying just because just they move poorly fell, at load, or they injuries, just move. They were, they do fast. So things. who taught you to run? Me? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. It's probably a long time ago. Right. That's the problem. You yeah. just figured it out, and we were like, yeah. "Good, you can run." And you're either fast or you're slow. You know. Do you, do you believe in running on the toes, or do you think you should run heel first? Let's, let's, I know there's this, a, I'm so a happy debate about this. Up. So the debate is. I'm so happy you're happy. If you take your shoes off right. and run around here naked, right. which is what happens in this show. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, you got to run around naked. No one will heel strike. It's true. Why is that? Because it hurts. Oh, weird. So you mess up the laws of biomechanics, and you get this feedback that you're in a bad position. Right. So you stop heel striking. So every single person. Now, let's just take the animal of the human as like an evolutionary machine. You've been evolving for two and a half million years. Over the last 10,000 years, you really haven't changed. It's the same. You're a little fatter. My femur's a little longer. It's the same, the same body 10,000 years ago. Do you think, and, and keeping in mind that you're designed for adaptation, right? You mm -hmm. can suck up bad diets for decades and then it blows up in your face, right? right. You can, you can, I know world champions who like eat little chocolate donuts and smoke and they're still world champions. Especially Thai guys, right? Especially these freaky Thai guys. Let's be honest. <laughs> Dude, like, they, get, they get, like, get hammered, smoke cigarettes, and kick your ass. And, and they can because they're look – at, look at their little bodies. Yeah. like little yeah. knives and bamboo sticks, right? Yeah. I lived in Thailand for a month as a kid and was terrified of every little skinny Thai guy. No, it's a very interesting style of fighting they developed. If you look at the the actual martial arts like in, in a uh, – like an isolated form, Muay Thai is one of the best ever. If like – I mean, their their grappling is not as good as a as a grappler, but the real Muay Thai guys are awesome at neck manipulation as well. Like what a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot of wrestling involved in that. So look at that. I go after your nervous system, right? I shake yeah. your head back, and guess what? I own the head, I own the body, right? Yeah. The, the bull goes where the head goes. That's not an accident. So, no. like Anderson I, Silva's the master. At that's that. right. He, he pins that shit down, and people don't even realize he's he ragdolls like really strong guys with that. I wrestled uh, in high school as a terrible wrestler, and uh, I had a coach who wrestled at like Iowa, and he would get my head against his head, and then I was like, okay, take my lunch money, you have my girlfriend. Like I was over. You know? Yeah. And, and and a guy like Silva figures that out early mm -hmm. on as part of his fighting strategy. Maybe he's conscious of it. Maybe he's not. Maybe he has a Zen master who's like control the head, control the world. You know. Well, he's awesome at everything, but he's also awesome at that. He is awesome at everything, and a lot of that is he's that genetic guy who figured it out early as a kid. Mm -hmm. What we need to do then is be able to go back and say, what are the conditions that made him? How do we teach kids not to work harder? Right, but how to teach kids the skills of being a human. If you want to mandate and get rid of diabetes and obesity, mandate an hour of walking in schools a day. But PE isn't about dodgeball, well, it should be, but it, it really should be about teaching the skills of jumping and landing and, and lifting things up and physical education. PT, what it right? used to be right. called. Here, here's the language. Here, here are the skills. Like you can, you have to read and write to be able to get out of second grade. You should also be able to demonstrate that you keep your back flat when you pick up your backpack. Yes it really no? is funny that it's the one thing you're allowed to fail. Right. That's cool. You're totally allowed to That's fail cool. It. Hey, you don't you need. Know? To, you know what a noun and a verb is. You don't have to put them together. It's cool. You don't have to read. 
Isn't like, that, it is kind of amazing that no one really cares if you ever get good at any sport. You can get right through school without any any proper use of your body at all. So, you know, that, That's that, funny. that crazy PE teacher guy who made you climb the rope and right. You just have to show up. You have to show up. And you just dress, right? And you, you pass. Yeah. So the humans are designed for adaptation. You're designed for survival. You can take the scratch and, and keep going, right? And you know this because if you've ever been in a fight, yes. Did you feel anything in the fight right away? No, it's the dirty secret about fighting. You feel things afterwards, right? You know, I mean, why would Forrest Griffin keep fighting if people are using his face as a punching bag, right? This is my question to him all the time. He's like, well, I don't feel it right Well, the he's an animal too. But how about John Jones? That's a perfect example. After his last fight, his Ugh. toe had been completely torn and like rotated right. sideways. And he didn't even realize it uh, until so he, was, he, he was talking and he perfect. looked down and saw it. <laughs> right, and then he blacked out. And and then he, yeah, and then he right? sat down and, you know, he kept going, the interview going. It was amazing. So... Here's the deal. You're, you pain, the pain pathway in the brain is the same pathway as a movement pathway. So when you're moving, you do not get the pain signal. You just don't hear it. Because you're in constant motion. Because you're in motion. You and you, you, when you're, your brain's not hearing the pain signal. So by the time pain is punctured into your consciousness during movement, mm -hmm. we have a serious problem. The brain is like, whoa, bro. And this is why everyone who knows who's ever exercised, you lay down at night and then you start to relax and downregulate and chill. And all of a sudden, like your knee starts throbbing. You're mm -hmm. like, what's wrong with this bed? I, I twist my knee when I was brushing my teeth. What's happened is you're not moving. If you've been waking up in the middle of the night because your, your back is killing you, your neck is killing you. What's happened is you've stopped moving. You've stopped flooding the brain with that movement signaling. And all of a sudden, you're just getting the pain signal. You're getting the raw, unattenuated signal in the back of the system. So that's one of the problems. The second problem is that you maniacs have spent your lives practicing being in pain. So maybe the, really the best athletes can just suffer worse. We know, like those athletes who can suffer, like they just they can work harder than everyone else. They can generate more waters than everyone else. They can just they get through fights with broken hands. Well, and then that's the third piece that once the adrenaline is going, you are not going to feel it. So we can't use that pain as a signal that you're in a bad position because you'll always override that every right. single time. I mean, what's who's the the Gracie grandfather's like? I just watched him tear my arm apart. You yeah. know, and I was like, well, big yeah. deal. You couldn't feel it. <laughs> I'm sure you watched it. You but know? you feel a lot of shit, man. Like left hooks to the liver, you always feel those. Those fucking hurt, man. So they shut you down. So it's so bad pain, right? That you can take a shot to the face, but it's interesting that people go for the liver shot. Why? Because it punctures through that little that little wall, right? Yeah. And when do people feel pain in the first round, or they start feeling pain in the sixth or seventh round, or wherever the fifth round, or when they're mm -hmm. starting to really break down, starting to get fatigued? There's time for that stuff to set right. in. So leg kicks as well. That's another thing. You fucking feel those, man. You feel those. Truth. Truth. Oof. Little shin to the wham. You feel those, dude. Those you feel. It doesn't you know, matter if you're moving or not. You know, Glenn uh, is the Glenn Cardoza's here. He's he's the co-writer. He's the guy who helped Glenn. He's the guy who helped me uh, corral the brain and took all these photos. And Glenn has this thing where he walks around the house with his pants pulled up really high. And it's awkward at first until you understand that he's a f he feels like he gets stressed out. If he can't just kick you in the head spontaneously, it feels like the jeans are limiting him. He gets a little stressed out. Right? right? He, see, he's actually wearing stretchy jeans. I used to wear those Chuck Norris jeans that had the gusset built into the crotch. I wore those bitches. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, those you can Chuck move, Norris right? How many, action jeans. How many pairs? Have you ever blown out a pair of pants moving, squatting yeah, down? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've, On stage, I've done it before oh, a couple yeah. times. Awkward is that? It's pretty awkward. Right, these are designer jeans. Is that, they're so designer that I can't move functionally. I can't move correctly. It's like wearing an exoskeleton. And uh, so, so you start moving poorly, right? You don't, uh -huh. even, you don't hear the signals. You're designed for adaptation. So the issue is that you can, like kids with damaged motor control systems 
have a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. Right? That's what it means is mm-hmm. if you have CP as a kid. If the part of your brain doesn't work, the, the motor control part. Yet those kids walk around fine. They're cognitively totally intact. They're totally bright, geniuses, but they just have this one part of their brain doesn't work. But those kids figure out. They turn the foot out, collapse the ankle, becomes stable. They let the knee come in like a valgus knee, like a torn ACL knee, becomes stable. Internally rotate the hip, boom, becomes stable. Overextend the back, becomes stable. Internally rotate the shoulder. These are the kind of the body's secondary so positions that of weird, stability. that weird posture that they develop. It's a position of mechanical stability. And what we do wow. is and we... It's because they don't have full control of their body. That's right. So it, they adjust and that's the position they, they adjust default to. default to this stable wow. position. Which is exactly the position you default to. Can you teach someone who has cerebral palsy how to... No. Be stable? No. Well, they're already stable. The, right. the question is that we know they're going to wear out their knee. Uh-huh. They're going to wear out their hip. Right. They're, and it's the same set of problems we see with people who jump and land wrong at speed. Hmm. The same people when you see a bad front squat for gone wrong, right? When the knee comes in, the back you know, overextends, the hip impinges. This is the exercicio, the exercise, the training is the, basically the exaggerated reality of what sport is and, or movement in life. You know, so if you're, if you're holding your baby and your shoulder's forward, this is a, feels stable, but this is the position that a lot of my tactical athletes have to spend time in. Their weapons in this position, shoulders mm-hmm. forward. So it turns out if I'm missing my internal rotation on my shoulder, because I'm designed for survival, my, my body's got a backup plan for me. Boom, shoulder comes forward. I can still fight. I can still move. But this is why my shoulder starts to ache. It's not working. Look, my pec doesn't even work like a pec anymore, right? right. It's, it's destabilizing my chest. I'm living off this front delt. That's how I tore my biceps tendon. So what ends up happening is that I get away with it for a while until I can't or until I have catastrophic injury or I start to get stiff in that position. Then when I go put my arm over my head or do something bad, you know, I get, I get hammered on it. That's interesting because uh, in, a, in a lot of positions, the correct defensive position puts you in a very awkward place, like the way your, your body's rotated. The correct, correct defensive position, especially, you know, for kickboxing, like you're all hunched in and your, your shoulders are pressed to your chin. That's okay. I can still be stable here. So look, okay. look at this position, right? With this this one position. one arm that, forward, that's not bad? No, no. Okay. So, but look at my shoulders. I can still create a stable what I'm trying to get at here. is that there's some techniques, especially uh, martial arts techniques, where they require these r- crazy movements, w- would like wheel kicks, things along those, those axe kicks. So, but the the issue is, you know, is that done under high load or is it done under mm-hmm. high speed? So, like punching, for example, and, and jumping if I'm wrong, right? I typically start in a in a very stable shoulder position. Heads uh-huh. and hands are up, protecting the face, right? And I can punch as hard as I can. The shoulder is mechanically very stable here where I can transmit a lot of shoulder energy from my shoulders, from my right. hips. But then the, sh- the arm unwinds, right, right, for this moment. And what happens is it unwinds. I create a little capsular slack, which allows me to create high impulse speed, but lot, not a lot of force. So in, in being smooth with the movement, you develop more power because it's faster and it torques in and you got a lot of well, extra snap going on. What I'm saying is that this on. isn't a very stable position at the end mm-hmm. for my shoulder, but I don't have to be in a very stable position. If I grab you then in this position, what happens? This is a very different thing. Then it's you a, turn uh, and twist. That's right. Yeah. So why is it that you're grabbing a gi or shirt, you come into this position? Well, it turns out this is a stable position for the shoulder, right? right? That grip. Incredibly you do, stable you in do comparison that to that judo, this. right? You yeah. got that hand in there. That guy gets you here. And this is this flexion extra rotation. Which and what is, we're saying for folks who are listening to this on iTunes, uh, Kelly's just uh, basically showing um, like your, your hand in your fist, like sort of sideways in front of you. And that, that's a very stable position. If you were holding a bag of cat litter, 
this would be the position of what you're two hands, two yeah, hand ba- yeah, cat like, litter hold, and you're holding it up to your mouth, the cat litter bag of death. I don't know why you would be doing that, but you know, if you were doing it that same way. position, or yeah. if you're holding your baby, right, right, right. No, I don't hold my baby like this. That'd That's be fucked up. The front rack, the front rack <laughs> baby position. <laughs> the kid be like, "Put me down, you freak." What's the Saturday night we spikes the baby? Don't do that. Um, I want to ask you this before I forget because I think it's really important. When, when you were talking about with people with awkward movement, what do you do for someone like say that didn't do any athletics as a kid and then they're 30 years old and they want to try jujitsu and they really don't know how to move right? So there's a local MMA school in our, in our neighborhood and one of my friends is a sambo fighter and teaches it. And these kids come in and they're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You know? And he's like, oh, Lord, you can't even resu- like absorb force in this position. So he ends up teaching the fundamentals of movement which look a lot like, can you squat, yes or no, right? Hmm. Ask kids to get in uh, a good position of wrestling and guard, you know, like, what is this, this position? Like, they're grip, you know, so what we have to do is give people the context and the language, the language cues to be able to express that in that, that form of fighting. So fighting is the sort of the, the high, so, for example, I can say things like, you know, your shoulder isn't normal unless you can jerk, Mm-hmm. So if those of you don't know jerking, it's in the Olympic, everyone knows jerking. But in the Olympics, when you're putting your arm over your head, you stop because your triceps get weak and you drop down underneath the bar. So if you were picking up something really heavy, like a log, you know, you would jump it up and then drop underneath it mm-hmm. and stand back up. So that's, that's the jerk in the Olympic lift. But what I'm teaching you to do is be able to create a stable shoulder and lengthen from both sides at the same time. The same thing you would do is if you're pushing someone and had to create distance away from them. So mm-hmm. I grab you, I push like in like you know in football, and I have to create distance. You have to be able to kind of express this complex movement. And the problem is, we jump people into sport and hope they do it without having any of the tools to be able to functionally. Maybe they might even have the range of motion to do that, and they definitely don't have the motor control to express that. And kids who figure that out because they, you know, if you ever did a, a like a backbend. Right, uh-huh. as a kid. Yeah. That turns out to be a globally arched position, right? That's what your spine should be able to do. Uh-huh. And it turns out you're teaching kids what the stable front rack position is, which is the position where they would Olympic lift or create shoulder position or this protected head position, right? Or I'm grabbing you is the same expression as climbing a rope or 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 you know, doing that back band back roll. So So it's just all about stability in, in these positions. Do you have the fluency, the language of the human movement? And the key is that you're seeing your shoulder as this very complex system. You're like it has a rotator cuff and a, a labrum and I don't even know what that is, but it has one, right? Right. But your brain is wired for movement. It's not wired for musculature. It's not wired for you can't test a manual muscle test. Your brain is wired to move. So it's let's this this phone, right? Right. Do you need to understand the technology behind the, the crystal and how temperature affects battery life and how the interface of the software affects? No. I do if I'm high. Okay. It's true. I do it all the time. I want to know what the fuck's going on in there. I'm like, this is crazy. Who figured this shit I, out? I can take your phone apart. I can take it apart by 4 p.m. <laughs> so, I get you a toe. So the issue is you need to be a master using the phone. Right. Right. You need to turn on off. You need to move your apps around. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. Right. Your body is so complex that you don't need to know the engineering. It's nice. Someone needs to know the engineering. You need to know the operation. And the operation is brutally simple. Well, it's really fascinating, the idea of physical intelligence, and it's fascinating that it was always called physical education. Uh, I think what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense, and even more so than teaching kids sports. 
Like yes. teach, teaching kids to use their body first is probably the most important thing before they even engage in sports. The Russians and the Chinese figured this out, didn't they? Those motherfuckers. Oh, those motherfuckers. Well, figured it out. I they think figured out a lot of shit, man. Kids need Cowbells, to they figured that shit out. Right, so they, they did figure it out. They figured out yeah. this front rack position yeah. is a stable position, right? Putting your arm overhead in the snatch, stable position. Of course they figured it out because we're human beings and we're obsessed with figuring it out. Olympic lifting has been around for 100 years, maybe, right, a little more. Do you think how many people blew out their shoulder learning the technique and then all of a sudden we figured out what the best technique is? And now we live in an age where you can go on the internets and figure out how to Olympic lift from the best Olympic lifters. People are showing that out. Watch app. it on your phone. Yeah, it's so, amazing. So people show up now at that little MMA studio and they know a lot about right. MMA, right? And right. they're fit and they like, and that's because we're starting to see best practices come apart. People are, are, are kind of coming together in – in systems approach, right? The nutrition is dialed. You know, you talk to the average person who takes care of their body, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm gluten free, and I drink, I put MCT on my coffee. What about it?" You know, I mean, like that's that's normal. me, dog. That's right, because it tastes better. <laughs> it does. So, but you're right. I think the the question then is, where can do you, we? Yeah, can so, you take a guy yes. who's thirty? And uh, is, if you're teaching him a sport, like say if you're teaching him a martial art or something like that, should it almost be required to teach him how to move first? Well, we. It would be nice. At some point, though, don't you do some conditioning every single time you're fighting at the end of wrestling practice no, or fighting practice? not jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu, you go over drills. Then when you're done with drills, so what are you drills? go to war. Wait, what are drills? They're just going over the technique. Uh-uh, there's no uh, – the technique. And the technique mm-hmm. has been worked out about what the position – the efficient sure. position yeah. is. I'm saying there's no lifting weights or anything like that. Oh, there is. It's, it's your body, right? If how much – if so if I'm, let's just say um, one of my NFL – coaches that I know. He's a strength coach, right? He's like, how much pressing do my guys need to do in the season? All they do is out there and press, mm-hmm. right? So we take young gymnasts. Uh, one of our kids at our gym uh, was a formal national champion just gymnast at, at UCLA, right? She is a machine, and she understands innately what some of these really good positions are because she's been doing them her whole life. So now I take that skill set, throw it into a sport, and she's a monster. So the question is, what's the best way to create the, these athletes with this ready state where then they can start picking up sports. Can I remodel people? You betcha. I've done it a thousand times. We take people who are the best and we make them better. We take people who are not the best and we break them into world record holders. We take people who are injured and messed up and we set you know, world championships. The, the testing ground for this information is at the highest level of sport and performance. That's how we test it. Then we take those principles and drills, and we build has to be able to scale from the injured athlete to the Olympian, from the mom and dad to the kid to the fighter. It's all the same. So what you're essentially saying is that people who are not fit and not not well rounded in their athleticism are successful if they're fighters, especially in spite of their ability, their physical ability. I'm but enhancing that, st- that physical ability and balancing would they would take them to the next level. That's right. So we look we look at someone you know. Why, why is that foot flat? Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's because they, no one ever made an Olympic lift or practiced jumping around or, or, or consciously said, when you jump up from the bottom position, you know, out of guard, jump up, I want yeah. you to hit and screw your feet into the ground. Mm-hmm. So the key is, how did I develop these skills? And I can do it in my laboratory, which is the gym. Because the gym isn't just about working harder. Right? Right. You're working out. It's not about working out. It's about reproducing the skills. So let's take my, some of my tactical guys, right? The ninjas I get to work with. They go in and clear a room. They're taught to have feet straight because they need to sweep from side to side and they need to have movement options, right? Just watch Dark 30 It's legit. Or active valor. Those guys walk in, feet are straight. They can clear the room side to side. They can move. So if I come in and one of my foot's turned out, well, I can't 
turn, my mm-hmm. sweep is off, right, my, where my sweep my weapon. If you jump and land and you sweep from where my legs, when my legs is turned out, I can't move as efficiently in that. So how do I develop that practice? Because you know, when I'm cleaning a room with terrace or I'm in the middle of a fight, the last thing I'm thinking about or should be thinking about is my foot position. That happens automatically. But, That's why we do so many drills. But in kickboxing and Muay Thai, there's a lot of times when you're in really awkward positions, and that's where you're supposed to be. You know, sure. you're like Muay totally. Thai. Like, how about kickboxing when you have to stand sideways? Like, there's a lot of times Absolutely. when you're throwing front leg techniques. You're, right. you're standing very awkward. So don't confuse the formal language because my body can twist and contort. Mm-hmm. You know, if we teach rotation, for example, right, we don't t- spend a lot of time teaching rotation because it happens. We right. spend a lot of time training the resisting of rotation. Yet when it comes time, if the athlete is mobile, right, they can twist and resist that twist. So you end up in these bad positions. And my goal is to create a movement library with as much capacity in that as I can. So my, my athletes are positionally strong. They can be strong and stable and generate a lot of force in those bad positions because you're going to be in bad positions. So how about this? So let's, let's stay in good positions if you can, but if you're in bad positions because you do so many good positions, you'll have more strength. That's right. And you'll be in a more optimized position. So even in compromise. awkward movements totally. like wheel kicks and yes. front leg side kicks where your body's completely twisted, you're still going to have much more stability. That's right. And you still won't compromise because we're still assuming that you can do everything that a human should be able to do. So Full range of motion right. meaning. So, but, but that's nebulous because so, people are like, what is full range of motion? I don't know what nebulous is. Uh, no, uh, you know, un- unclear. Nebulous. Do you know what nebulous is? I thought it was like something to do with space, hmm. like the ceiling. <laughs> so if if the uh, so the the idea is Let's Google it. <laughs> Nebu- Sorry, Nebu- is it that stuff Nebulosity. inside the girl, like where it feels like cauliflower or like a brain? Or no, that's, that's warts, bro. Um, in the form really, of a cloud really or right haze, <laughs> in the form of a cloud or haze, unclear, vague, or ill-defined. Nebulous. There we go. Like a nebula. Yeah, like, like the girl nebula. space. So, um, <laughs> you know, I don't even know where we're going now. Well, we're just talking about athletes. We're talking so, about teaching people movement. So, if you if you can if you can create a uh, library of human movement, library of, of of positions and mechanics, then what ends up you teach this formal language? Then athletes have the capacity; they can be in these shapes. So what I was going to say is, you know, the physiology is known to us. So, if you're missing range of motion in your shoulder, because most of us are, why? Because you live in this in this environment. Mm-hmm. You're designed to be able to create torque, and you on your little laptop all day long in these bad positions, and so you end up getting stiff. Your body adapts to exactly what you threw at it. So if your nutrition is crap, it's going to be, look like that and reflect that. Right? The the animal reflects the reality. I had this great uh, PT instructor, pediatrics instructor. He's like, muscles and tissues are like obedient dogs. You just have to have the will. So what I'm saying that's is, what posture is all about, right? Well, posture is about are you in a good position? I'm in the fucking will to Kumite. Like this all the time. Right? Us. Us. This so, is what, Brian, you've now coined this. This is look at my delicious breasts. I know. It's <laughs> perfect. It sucks. I'm in so much pain right now. I don't it's know perfect if it's... perfect way to describe it. And, delicious. So look what you've done. Yeah. Sitting, for example, is right. one of the most... You're teaching t- someone who will never learn. He's not going to listen to you. Well, my I think my, I think my injury is honestly, it happens once or twice a year. I, I crash at somebody's house. 
You sleep in a weird like, position. Like, and they have too many pills. Like, it's usually like older black men. And, and <laughs> but like, like no. And I, I'll wake up because I have been drunk so much that like my neck is like this. I've been sleeping like no, the whole night. That's and, actually mm. called, that can be called Saturday Night Palsy. People fall asleep on their arm. Oh, like, yeah. And they kill a nerve and they actually end up with like long thoracic nerve damage. Whoa. Uh, I think I got like, that. Term? Like, long term? Yeah, you just, you sleep through the, you know, you wake up with pins and needles. Yeah. I know. freaking out. But if you pass out in a bad position, yeah. that's why you put people in the recovery position, you know, mm. not only for the vomit so they don't numb their hands. Wow. So what I'm saying is, we'll get back to the shoulder in a second. You've adopted a sitting position right there. Right. That's wise. It's basically laying down. Yeah. I'm trying to lay down as much as possible. So there's three, there's three positions that st- help you stabilize your back in standing. One is that your butt squeeze sets your position of your pelvis <sighs> relative, right? Right. And you can hear this cue. Like squeeze your butt overhead. Wow. Right, point your toes in the air. The gymnast will say, if your butt's not squeezed, you're not in a good position. You can tell. I love gymnasts. <laughs> most of them, what a great are, t- most of them are twelve. That's oh, yeah, that's true. The ones, that the ones that are older than that, dude, you don't have to go there. So, but so butt sets. I position. assume you're not taking advice from twelve year olds on how to move. I just assumed it was a thirty year old. At least, at least eighteen. I'm thinking and, dirty over thirty. That's what I'm thinking. Hey. Hey, I'm not the one who spent all the time sorry. in Thailand. Sorry. So, sorry. sorry. The, um, My apologies. So if your butt sets your position in your pelvis, right, and you squeeze your butt. Can you squeeze your butt right now? That's awkward. Don't do yeah. it. You're not going to last for more like yeah, 10 seconds there, right? So it's impossible. The second stability system is your abs. And I'm talking about your trunk. You're the, you know, it's the whole, the whole core, right, the whole system, the sleeve. All of that integrates to create high intra-abdominal pressure and stability, including your pelvic floor, right, sphincter to belly button. Well, the reason you ki and shout is to create intra-abdominal pressure so you can stabilize the system. Maybe you, not me. You silent well, ki. I use magic, bro. When I'm ki and I'm magic. You throw fireballs. I try in my mind. So uh, the third thing is that we create, we screw the feet into the ground, right? This torsion of kind of creating grip through the through the like the same is kind that of good? grip. Do you go? Towards no out. externally rotate right externally, so that's okay. right wax on wax off was teaching what Steven Seagal always throws in the same position screwing a light bulb hey, in look at the way he runs son <laughs> look at the what? way he runs you ever see him run that's a perfect example pull up Steven Seagal running let's see it's a perfect example let's see if Kelly can fix the way Steven Seagal runs and this is no let's disrespect to Steven Seagal Steven Seagal, Seagal is an excellent martial artist I mean, he's very good at Aikido I mean he was one of the first uh, Japanese Americans rather to teach in Japan that's right at a legitimate respected dojo so now, now Aikido is has they figured out to throw people mm-hmm. you're winding the shoulder up into what position this external rotation yeah, position. Okay. Yeah, and then you and have you, to tremendous amount of power with that, as uh, well as with judo. Same position. Grabbing That's a hold, right. getting, getting yourself in a position. Look well, at him running. Tell, tell me what's wrong here. Everything is wrong. Yeah, it's a lot wrong there, right? One, who taught him how to run? Look at this. Look at how he's running. Actually, you know, it's not bad. He's running on the ball of his foot. Oh. Not, I've is seen, that why I've it looks weird? Let's back that he's up. Lo- he, now he's getting older and he's getting overextended. Oh, he got full, uh, yeah, full and fat. This is a different, different movie. This is old. This, this is a, this is a guy who started to get stiff and, and fly around and play a little bit too much music. Everybody talks shit about him, but the dude, dude he's a badass, a legitimate martial artist. He knows a lot about martial arts. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL cook Fucking after I saw one of his movies. Leoto Machida legitimately takes advice from that guy. Everybody thinks it's bullshit and they think I'm just trolling. No, Leoto Machida respects that guy enough to take instruction from him and to listen to him well, talk. Why, why wouldn't it? I mean, like, he figured a lot of things out. Mm-hmm. The key is that a lot of us don't have sort of the meta cognition or meta awareness. I want to see if he runs on his toes, though. I, I need to see that. 
ball the foot. So let's let's tie a couple conversations. Ball together. the foot is good. Ball. Yeah. So there, there. Let's be clear. Okay, let's see how he's running. There is either running. No. Or not he's running. Hitting heel first, man. Yeah, but he's got his breast out. He's hitting heel first. No way. No way. That's, actually, that's not bad running. Arms. Okay, look his at this. Arms look at are this. Crazy. That guy is flat footed when he's landing. He is running terrible. Flat footed. Crazy. Flat footed is okay. What's Flat's not okay? okay. <laughs> Ball the foot strikes first. That's not okay. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. There's some variation. But that's not there. what he's doing. It, well, it's hard to tell. I'm talking. It's shit. It's not hard to tell. It's, he's moving really fast. I'm talking shit. I mean, it might have been. Here's uh, what the I would ball think. The foot here's, first. here's what I would think. It's his hands. His arms are hands. The arms are. Okay, are that's arms. less efficient. What's that's going on efficient. there? What's all that about? <laughs> it's unstable. So unstable. So unstable. And that's what he's he's looking for. Well, all he's this all. Like, that's how he uses his aikido, though. He's all. He's like whip like. Oh, so you mean practice makes permanent? Is so that what practices that a whole bunch, and that's the only way. So even when he runs. He's got that sort of whipping motion going on with his arms. That kind of makes sense. So that when totally we makes teach sense. people to run, we say, hey, pretend like you're grabbing two chips. Right. Put your shoulders in this position. This extra rotate position makes your shoulders stable. It creates stability in the head. What you'll see is How that are people are you carrying run. your chips, man? Chips. This is... Like you have two potato chips. Don't crush the chips. Two of them. Imagine that you're hands. grabbing something okay. else and you, don't, you want to be gentle. Right. Right. Can you, say, why would can you, you say my name like Coco? I don't understand. Like, Coco. Put your... Elbows tight. With no, no, chips. this is this is how you should be running. You just you just oh, holding wait, like hold this. Hold it on the chips. This is how you run and protect those chips. So where where is his go, hands going? Across oh, his body. So how much force is he giving away all that? So if my hands coming across, I got to stop it. It's a right. big heavy load. I want to minimize that. When you see kids running with their elbows out, mm-hmm. right, like R two D two. Right. That's a test. That C three PO runs with his arms out. Yeah. What is that? R two D two doesn't have arms. arms. I'm just letting you talk to. All right. Just Don't try to test me. Just, so, just seeing if you're here, bro. Well. Just seeing you're here. I'm fine. Um, so rewinding, you were talking about squeezing the butt earlier. We're coming back. Okay. We're coming back. So the, the issue is do you um, know how to run? Right. If you take people's shoes off, they run the same way. People are designed for evolution. That means you probably have one running pattern that you would do slow and fast. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have one running pattern that you would do slow and a completely different movement pattern that you would do when you sprint. You would be able to cycle up and down. We know what the injury running rates are. You can't heel strike. Every kid is born with their heel flat on the ground, not right. in high shoes. So running is running the way you would run barefoot. So you can get away with heel striking if you're running on soft surfaces. Why do you have to run on soft surface? Right. You know, yeah, right. If I can make all these conditions, I, if I have my $150 shoes and my uh-huh. inserts and I run on a soft surface or a treadmill, then I can run like this until I can't. Right. You should be able to run. You're designed to be 110 years old when you're designed to be pain-free for that 110 years. Yeah, that's it. So when you start to wear a hole in your kneecap because you've been heel striking, mm-hmm. when that heel comes down, the whole quad loads, knee comes forward, creates a ton of shear. You wear a hole in your kneecap and you see your doctor and your doctor's like, uh, you should stop running. And you say things like, well, you know, you're the worst doctor ever. You're not allowing me to express myself through my running. This is BS. Well, and it's the same thing. Well, the doctor's saying something really reasonable. Hey, you're moving like crap. You've destroyed your body. Something's got to change. How did that he- that heel striking happen because of a shoe design? That's is right. That correct. That's one hundred percent right. That is so strange. If you really stop and think about that, how many people run like that? Heel down first, and it all came about because of a shoe design. Check this out. Kids don't heel strike until about the first grade. No kid under the first grade, about until new until oh, Christmas, God. heel strikes. They all run beautifully. Then they go home at Christmas break, and half of them ask for a heel strike for Christmas. And then, and what happens is they've started sitting long enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what sitting does to your body. You f- travel feels wretched, but it's okay for our kids to sit eight hours a day. We it's talk terrible. to all the all the kid, coaches who coach young kids, and they all say the same thing. They're so short in the hip. They all move like crap. We have to undo the sitting from the day before we can even get any work done. So we crazy. also start to 
shorten their heel cords. So like we make this joke about Chinese foot binding, right? It's archaic. But you're designed with your feet flat on the ground. And then what we do is we start to s systematically lift that heel up. Mm -hmm. Like you, the shoe I'm in has a four millimeter drop or three or four millimeter drop. That's still a high heel shoe. It's not flat. Mm -hmm. So if we look at some people's Nikes or some of these other shoes, they have upwards of a centimeter and a half, which is a, basically a high heel shoe. Right. So we're walking around sh like shortening the heel cord, yeah. right, which means I take away your ankle range of motion, and suddenly you start to figure out, oh, I can walk with my feet turned out a little bit. It makes my ankles more effective with this shortened heel cord position. If I take that body and I said, okay, here's a stable young kid with a brilliant spine, right, young, we're doing gymnastics, and then I just can't the whole thing forward – a centimeter and a half from the bottom that projects out over the, the spine of the kid, maybe two centimeters, three centimeters, so the whole kid's center mass is forward. And because you're a human being, you'll just compensate for it. So we start to adopt these patterns. The same patterns uh -huh. that if I'm texting in this crappy position, my, my upper back is rounded, and that means when I look up. So if, if I look at like a, a simple position, like if I just kind of round and text, I pick my head up. My head's naturally level because my eyes are going to always you know, get to the horizon line. But if I sit up, look what position my head is in. Right. I didn't change my neck position. I changed my upper back position. Right. So now I'm having this kind of car accident in my cervical spine, my neck, where I get lower cervical flexion, upper cervical extension. And not only does this wear out discs and cause osteophytes, but it's less effective position when you take a shot to the head or you need to generate force. Your body prioritizes that nervous system above all other things. And you know this. When you injured your back, how stoked were you to have wild sex? <laughs> you still want to have wild sex, but you weren't stoked, right. right? Because your back hurt so bad. You injure your nervous system. My athletes go down. I got, like, it takes me, it's going to take me two days. If it's just a stupid spinal fault, a little tweak, two days to turn the whole thing around. I've lost two days of training. Most time, it takes a couple weeks, right? Before you start feeling like you want to generate force again. Three weeks. Now you're behind. You're behind all of my other athletes. Tweak your nervous system for real. Have your leg go numb. Your body is shutting you down because it's such a, a primary threat to who you are as a human being. You have a brain to move you through the environment. So you can interact with your environment. That's the whole reason that the nervous system developed in the animal, to just reproduce itself. You can feed, you can fight, you can run away. When you, when you trash that nervous system, your body prioritizes it in a big way. In fact, cognition, all of the higher order thinking of the human being, has been, it's called the neocortex, has been bootstrapped on top of the movement brain. So it's not an accident that like, hey, I have a meditation practice and a movement practice, right? I have, to, I have to be a really good thinker. I have to also train hard. Well, it's because these systems are totally integrated. And to disintegrate them, to get away from the movement and just go be a piece of meat on the, on the treadmill or the elliptical machine does human beings a disservice. So that's saying essentially that really brilliant people who don't take care of their body are brilliant, again, in spite of the fact well, it's because they're not they, reaching they, their full potential. The engineering is so good. But what it's about so good. the amount of time that it takes to develop skill um, as opposed to the amount of time that it takes to uh, spend doing physical training? Like teaching someone a martial art, for example. You know, you only have like four days a week to train. How many days a week would you train this guy in or this gal in, in, in physical movement? And how many days would you let them go to kickboxing class or go to jiu-jitsu class? Well, the, the, the idea here is that those aren't disparate, separate systems. It's the same movement, right? Like, but it's not in a lot of positions, like rubber guard. There's, there's triangles. There's a lot of like weird you know, positions where you, these, are, these are very odd positions the, with your feet tucked under people's chins and so, pulling on your foot sideways, you yeah, know? But, but, it's, but it's really not that weird. If, you, if I teach you, like we're not doing pull-ups, 
I'm teaching you to create a stable pull mm-hmm. off of the bar, right? That's what this is really I don't think you're quite getting what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the amount of time that it takes to get awesome at that, the amount of time to get that shit okay. laser sharp I, I got it. I got is it. repetition in, in the technique. So over I, and over I, and over again. I totally got it. But the, you, you're saying it could be better I, Well, still. I'm saying that I, the skills I'm teaching in the strength conditioning, as a side effect, I become fit. As a side effect, I become stronger should integrate and support 100% of the training you're doing on the other side. The problem is we're like, oh, this is my training. This is my conditioning and, and strength work. It's the same work. My And then what ends up happening is that you'll, you'll have a stronger trunk. You'll be able to generate force from these worst positions. You'll be able to recover more quickly. Skill takes a long time to develop. So what we're asking is, you know, are you skilled? Are you gonna, where are you going to put your, your eggs in the basket? You should probably be skilled in all of your movement and that all of those movement skills translate in. How many times you need to – you people definitely get this messed up. The most important thing to do to get good at a sport is your sport, right? That's – people are – you know, like if you're going to be a fighter, you better do a lot of fighting. Right. Then I just need to do enough strength and conditioning to fit in the holes. Like if you do – if you go fight, right, and wrestle and fight and do all the things, your conditioning is pretty stellar. You probably don't need to do a whole bunch of extra conditioning. Because you've just did that on the ring. All I have to do is fight a bunch of people once and you understand how conditioned you need to be. Mm-hmm. But I do need a systematic way to uncover your limitations. And that's why today we're going to deadlift. And, and so some of the things we do even three times a week or twice a week is enough to sort of recover or uncover the positional missing so I can see it. How do we make the invisible visible? Well, one thing is that these master coaches can see you fight and be like, that guy's really good. I don't know what it is. And let me give you an example. My, I have a six-year-old daughter we call Bear. She is the most legit human being I've ever met. And she's wired the way I dream about being wired as a kid. Like, she is just like – she. and so there's this old-school Olympic lifting coach named Mike Bergner who is the man. He lives down in San Diego. He's been Olympic lifting longer than dinosaurs. He saw Caroline move at an early kid, and he's like, you will send me Caroline. She will live at my house in the summers. She is an Olympic champion. How did he he decide that? Well, she stands forward. She creates a lot of torque automatically. She's organized well. Her head's balanced, right? She moves in the same way that your coaches would walk down the hall and be like, hey, you play soccer, kid? We should play, you know? Or someone grabbed you because, you know, you do these things. So what I'm saying is, We've got to keep developing these skills and uncovering the problems because if you just fight all the time, you're going to end up looking like a fighter and you'll adopt to these positions. And it's hard to sort of systematically uncover the problems. So come back to the shoulder. If you're going to be in a wretched position but you're missing range of motion, you don't have the control and the positioning, you will sacrifice position in that bad position. And that's where you start to get injured because you get dumped on your shoulder. That's where you're generating torque. That's where the guy breaks your grip because you're in these untenable positions and you're compromised in those untenable positions. That's, uh, that's very fascinating. How would you uh, figure out how to schedule the time? Would you say what would be most important? Most important is uh, skill. And then right after that would be strength and conditioning. So would you just you would limit it to like one out of four training sessions? Like say if you only yeah. had four training sessions Perfect. a week, w- one out of four, three of them should or, be, or let's divide them up and let's give me give me two, give me two twenty minute sessions. And how would you organize it? Would you do like the really hard physical training like the first day of the week, and then do the other three days skill, or would you do the other the opposite? Well, I think that is the lang- that's the conversation between your coach and you. Where and that's really why you need coaching. Right. right. So but what I'm thinking, getting at is should you be exhausted while you're learning the physical movements? Like, no. Well, do, when you do skills, 
Mm-hmm. When are you best learning those skills? When you're totally exhausted? When you're fresh. When you're fresh. Right. So if we're going to do high-value pieces where I'm teaching a skill, I want my athletes pretty fresh in there, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to look at the volume. This is, this is the art of coaching. My job, especially as a strength and conditioning coach and physical therapist, is never is to enhance the strength, the fighting or the sport of my athlete. Mm-hmm. So if you're blown up and you can't fight, then what am I doing, right? There's also a skill to learning how to train when you're exhausted. And that's one of the reasons why some people like to put guys through physical training first. Different and then idea. Take them through skill. To- totally different. What, skill contest. What Hackleman do? Rolling and wrestling, right? Row 500, have a fresh guy beat the crap out of you. It's a good idea. <laughs> it's, it seems like it's not a good idea, but it's a good it's idea. It's a great idea. And then do it again and have another fresh guy beat the crap out of you. It also teaches you how to keep your shit together when you're falling apart. When your body's physically falling apart, it teaches you how to at least conserve enough energy and distribute it like to know like okay we can't go full blast right now but we can go i can go right now at 40 percent full clip and then in 30 seconds i'll be back so in my gym my laboratory there's always some stimulus load combination where i'm going to exceed your capacities right is it going to be so heavy or so long or so many reps or so you're going to be breathing so hard that you start to break down and the job is to spend the time at the margins of those experience Right. So to no, not go fully in where you're not in control of your body and you're going to get hurt. Well, I mean, is that is that how you're going to be successful? No. If I blow myself out, I'm going to get my ass kicked. I agree 100%. But why is it that there's like the, a lot of meathead thinking when it comes to that? Like because you're supposed to just fucking keep going, pussy. Pick it up. Meanwhile, your, your legs are malfunctioning. By the you're way, like, by the way, pussies are awesome. We should really take that word back. Like, if you yeah, call me a pussy, a thing, it should be right? like, "Thanks, man, I'm a pussy." Pussies no kidding. Awesome. It is a weird thing. Like, how did that ever get to be bad? We start but, saying Sally. Like, we're changing it. We're taking the word pussy back. And but it's the I was same this with really dick. It's the same with dick. Girls love dick, but they don't like a guy who's a dick. It's basically the same thing. That's why we say cock. We're so a cock. well. We're so weird with that. You're right. I've held on to pussy the whole time. So we need we need to be skilled. We talk about training age, Uh right? It takes a long time to know your capacities. It takes a long time to know yourself as an athlete, to have a coach know you. That's the balance. That dynamic between trainer and athlete, between coach and athlete. I think what you're saying, too, is, you know, you keep saying trainer and athlete, but I think what you're saying really is applicable for just human beings. And I think that's uh, one of the most uh, important aspects of teaching a kid young some sort of sport, like giving them sort of a a sense of how it feels to move your body in competition. So 100% right. Like, you have to be stressed. We have to put you – if you don't ever compete or fight or perform music – like stand-up comedy is the same thing as fighting. It's the same thing as competing. Like stimulus is the same, mental state is the same, conscious. You oh, have to. So, I gotta stop you right there. You don't You're think crazy. so? No, it's not even close. You don't think you no, don't. You don't think no. like being aware of the room and what's no, going on. No, 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 no. It's not even. It's not even remotely near as scary. It's not even remotely okay, near let's as make, let's dangerous. Take, okay, it's not even so remotely take, near take, as take chaotic. How, but here's how the thing: when you do stand-up comedy, you can essentially control the entire situation. If you're prepared and you have your material together, you oh, doesn't that sound like exactly what you're trying to? You don't always control the entire situation in a fight. So, and but it's don't scarier. you try? You try to. I agree. But don't you yeah. try to train, control as many things as you can. As you yeah, can control. sure. You try to keep all your ducks in a row and get your conditioning together. But if you're fighting a bad motherfucker, you're in, in for some danger. There's no, there's no Agreed. getting out of that. Agreed. And stand-up comedy, what's the worst thing that happens? You don't laugh. Like the ideas are completely different. It's for a lot of people, but they have this weird. You don't thing. think the mental state is the same? You don't no, think the the it's pre-game? Absolutely not. It's absolutely not because you you can think about a lot of other things before you go on stage. I can pal around with friends. I can joke around with people. I've competed before, and I was fucking. I was in a world of my own before I went out there. I knew that I can't have people talk to me. I don't want to see. I'm visualizing what I'm going to do. I can't be having like little bullshit conversations and then go out there. 
there and fight because you'll get kicked in the face. There's but, a completely different thing. Stand-up so comedy is like a loose, okay. so, relaxed, you get good at it, you know how the fucking thing works, you just get out there and do it. Well, okay, so pull that aside. Let's say that you've got loose, you've tons of reps, but performance is performance. And the, the idea, though, is we should put kids in these stressful situations to, to teach them about their own heads. They should sing. They should learn how to compete because they find out about what it, where they break down, what their mental. That's part of the reason we do sport in the first place. To learn how to compete, I think it's the worst people to be around are people that never learned how to compete. My because they also don't learn how to lose. They don't learn how to learn that you need more to learn. Like you could be fucking amazing at chess, but not even know how to play go. You know, and someone brings this thing out, and you're like, "What is this fucking?" I mean, thing? Get your ass kicked and go. Yeah, you got to know what you you know things and you don't know things. And the only way to find that out, to really find that out, is through competition. To really be told, "Boom, you just got crushed at this video game. You don't know how to play this shit okay. at all." So let me, let me hit you back on it. So if you're if you're really funny with your friends, and someone's like, "You should be a comic," and you start speaking. You're not really a comic until you stand up in front of a bunch of strangers and do it, right? You're not really a comic until you get banned from the comedy store. <laughs> That's when you become a Truth. real comic. Okay, okay. They, they ban you at least once. I was banned twice. So if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're a kid, though, or uh, you know, you, at some point, if you're a musician and you never play, yeah, I, th- I, I, I hear you 100%. You, you must put yourself through some stress to figure out what to do when it happens because otherwise it's an, an overwhelming amount of right. stimuli and energy and adrenaline and do it's you, hard to manage. Do you watch the tapes of you performing comedy afterwards? Sometimes I do. do I you listen watch the... to them more than I watch okay, them, but so, I do sometimes. So some of that's after action. Some of it's your pro and you're really good at it. But what about do fighters look at their tapes after they fight? I I think a lot of them do. Yeah, a lot of them because do. there's a lot of data there. Yeah. This is my most stressed out self. I mm. got to see what I did sure. when I was tired and getting my ass kicked. Like you, there's a lot of data there. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and the, I think a lot of guys you look at uh, videos of their training as well, and that's very beneficial. There's a lot of times you realize that you're doing something funny and you didn't realize it. Like you know, like I know what a guy looks like when he's he's really good at Muay Thai. I know how he moves. But if I looked at myself, I'd be like, oh, I'm moving kind of goofy. You know, I, w- I would be able to see in a video just through training, That's right. like little errors that you can't see while you're actually doing it. So I feel like let's take this back to the pain. Let's spin it back to common stuff, right? Do you have an understanding of what your process is with your spine? You're talking to him? He doesn't understand shit. Trust do, me. Do I understand? No. <laughs> no. I, so what ends up happening, it's like, it's like fighting and fighting and getting the same result over and over again. And I, I, Twice a year I get my ass kicked. No, I'm good, thanks, man. Twice a year I get my ass kicked, but I'm not really paying attention to the, the details. What I'm telling people is that we can resolve a lot of crap. Is we that can, beer? What is it? Cider. Oh, cider. Okay. Okay. cider. We can resolve yeah. a lot of the crap. We can take a lot of the crap off the table. I thought it was an energy drink. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. We take a lot of crap off the table. I apologize. If I'm an you, assholes. Twice this week I've done that shit. If sorry, you, Everlast. If you, uh, <laughs> if you can make the invisible visible. So one of the things that I want coaches and, a- and athletes to understand is that it's hard to see some of these tendencies. It's hard to see some of these things in the gym. If I expose you to some of these movements, I can tell where you're giving away force. Mm-hmm. I can tell where you're being inefficient right. because the hip is the hip. Whether you're kicking or squatting, it's the same similar position. So, so you think you could enhance someone's like kicking and punching power, even like a guy who's like really good? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we. I have. I have. I, I have met only a couple people who have been what I consider in the ninety percent, like who just 
who are just wiring and, and not a very a lot of efficiency left to be gained in the system. And I'm not talking about skill, right? right? You still got to train, you still got to be conditioned, you still got to show up and perform. But I'm not saying that this is a done deal. Right. But harvesting back to our kids thing, how do we create this ready state or this kid with a set of skills? So my daughters swim, right? This one of the teaches them so much about positioning. They do gymnastics, they swim, they do a ball sport. Like this is the language, but also there's some formal movement training in there. That's in the gymnastics. Sure. The formal movement training in the swimming. We have to create a language and archetype so that kids can understand whether they're aware of what the shoulder needs to be doing at age. They still know how to turn the iPad on and off. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, because I'm not a very good athlete at all. Like I've, I've, I'm a black belt in Taekwondo and a black belt in Jiu Jitsu, but like I don't know how to do other sports. Like I don't, I don't do them well. I can't ice skate. Like you put me on some ice skates, I fall. You put me on some skis, I look retarded. Well, that's <laughs> that's about training. That's so just, that's that's the but fallacy. It is. It's about my my whole life. I didn't do any sports. All I did was martial arts. So my body developed that way, and it knows how to move that way. But if if so, take I mean. There's nothing natural but ice skating or or skiing. My kids can fucking skate the shit out of it. They're spinning around behind Are you me. And bicycle? My two year old learn how to fucking ski like that, dude. Yeah. And it, I'm I'm all awkward two. and shit. Plastic figuring Balance. it out, right? I'm trying to. My posture sucks. I don't know look, look, look at the neuroplasticity of the brain. When is it, when does it become difficult to pick up new skills? When you're old and fucked up like me, especially <laughs> with bad motor patterns, right? Yeah, it's hard yeah. to undo the BS. So if you're if you're if you tell me, hey, I have this fighter, who this way does, he goes to Muay Thai. I mean, I drive past with ice cream, getting my ice cream for my kids. I drive past that MMA school every single day. People in there, that's probably pretty great, all around healthy fitness, breathing hard, gonna feel great sort of things. Right. Until what you break. So let's just so say you, that well, you have a lot of imbalances, when, especially when you're doing boxing. Ah. There's so much left side. Your left side gets like that's literally right. 50% more work than your right side. That's 100% right. So my golfers who turn one direction for a living, the fighters who lead with the left a ton, that shouldn't be a surprise. I should start looking for more dysfunction on the left side, stiffness on the left side. Right. The hip doesn't turn as effectively on that right side because I'm punching off it over and over and it gets stiff. So if you can understand the, the positions, you can program to it. And that's the sort of the second half is that sometimes people's biomechanics gets messed up. Your tissues are just stiff. Your joint capsule is stiff. You physically can't get into the good position because you're doing it a lot. Then what do you do about it? And so if we give people the basic tools, they can turn it around. It's weird how like you'll have one side that's like tightened up. Like you'll be able to throw a kick yeah. with your right leg, and it's just real smooth and easy. But then when your left leg, there's like this herky jerky. Like it's awkward. It that's doesn't right. turn over all the way. So if you if I watch you squat, I'm gonna be like, that's the side that's all messed up. Right. You'd right. be able to see you right away. Right. Get into a pistol. I'm like, oh, look at that hip. You can see it. That's so the the formal language of strength conditioning makes things easier to see. If you recognize that left side to right side and try to mobilize that position, right, address all of the systems and you're moving correctly, well, chances are you can probably fix it without even doing that squatting. The squatting makes it easy to see. It also builds efficiency in the system. You know, it's also weird. When you practice something left-hand, it actually shows you – there's actual data to show that you get better with your right side as well. Like there's something about practicing opposite-handed in certain things that actually allows your mechanics to improve with your dominant hand. It's because it's called deep practice. Yeah, I've heard that like with throwing. Yes. Like pitchers so, who throw with their left hand, it actually improves their right-handed pitch. Because you're so conscious of your the thought patterning and how it feels. Yeah. You've thrown a million times with your right hand. You throw snowballs at me. You're not even paying attention to me. Right. You're watching over here, right? But and all of a sudden, left your hand left hand is fucked hand, up. Right? 
The left yeah. handed. The left handed. I'm that way with pool. I can play the shit out of some right handed pool, but I get it in my left hand, and I I barely know how to like <laughs> move my arm. Like I've been playing pool, pool all my life. My right arm is loose and fluid. My left arm is all fucked up, and I can't get it to go straight. It's amazing. Practice. I, I, go that, to the shooting that, range. That is what go shoot is. with your right That's hand. Amazing. Go oh, shoot with yeah, your left yeah, hand and see how that. bad you are Rock's with your left terrible, hand. Terrible, but it looks so gangster. Just be shooting some. I don't even want to use my right hand, son. So we, some of our, some of our, uh, our ninja friends tried that. They went like the pair rescue guys, and they were like, uh, you know, the oh, and, like and they just emptied style. out, and they're like, they can't hit anything. They're yeah. like, if someone shows you a pistol like this, you're pretty safe. Yeah, unless he's like right in front of you. Yeah, they miss a lot. Those guys. That's a problem, right? That's a problem in the. Hood. But look what this position is. Check this out. Solid as fuck. Right. right. There. Well, what position Shooting is people. that? Well, that's the rope climb same, position. Same, the same as position. Jiu-jitsu, so what's collar choke? So yeah. if your if your head is neutral. And I'm controlling the area. There's my lock-off position. Extra rotate, extra rotate, extra rotate. Boom. Right. And I can reload. I'm right in here. I can see what's going on around me. This is how the queen waves. She waves in that same position. Why? It's stable. You can wave like this all day. She goes like that. No, she doesn't. She Go gives ahead. you knuckles? That's like... Bitch, I don't even have to turn my fucking hand around. We see. We call I'm this the royalty. We hooker. call this the backhand high five because it, you can backhand high five someone. It's more stable and, it, and it's really, sanitary. She really waves like yeah. that. That is rude. Unless you poop on your hands. Rude. Wouldn't you feel like? First of all, you'd feel so fucking lucky that you were the queen. I mean, who gets to be the queen? You didn't like go to school for it. You can okay? wave all day like that. You're just the fucking queen. Try it. You should Try it. Everyone at home, wave like feel this. So lucky. You're all stable. Second, be so rude. Now wave like this. Knuckles. Wave like this, and you're gonna be you tired. Be, it feels unstable. And you should weak. be so happy. Happy for the queen. She should be bowing. She should be so happy. But she should so be blowing kisses. Check check this out. If What's you shit? if you grab you know like p- drinking with your pinkies up, right? Like that we say mm-hmm. pinkies up. What What's is that, that from? What is that really a cue to do? So how do? Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like a girl's about to give a guy a hand. Job. Here, take this. So if uh, the sprinters run with their hands out wide, right, with their fingers out, right, because it creates stiffness at the elbow. That makes sense. What's the extensor stuff or Tony Blower's extensor? Like if you extensor power, if you put the, the hand out, you create stiffness. Uh-huh. Well, that's what you're really doing with the pinky. So people have figured it out over and over again. That pinky's out, create stiffness. Next time mm-hmm. you're drinking high tea with the queen, put your fingers in. You'll be all shaky. Fingers out, legit. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, it would be, it's, it's such a fascinating thing, like learning how to stabilize and, and put the human body into the optimum position. And that, thinking of that as a, something, like an education, think of that as a, 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 something that can be taught to people. Oh, it has to be observable, measurable, and repeatable. If you work with me and we get better, the only way we can measure it is we can measure right. wattage and poundage and output, do, do Movement, your fighting jumping, positions. That's right. right. We can power, measure it. And if it doesn't improve that then what the hell are we doing? Let me ask you this. So if you were allowed to organize uh, children's athletics in schools and I will be. education, we're you going think you after will? It. Oh, Are you really? Oh, yeah. what do you, what's the plan? Like, what, do you, what, what would you do once you got in there? Would you just teach kids proper ways of movement? I mean, would it be, require one-on-one with kids? No, like, no, no. And, and here's the deal is that we've somehow mystified all that. Uh-huh. So in, we've, gutted your, we've gutted your school. My kid's school gets nine out of ten stars. We live in Marin County. It's dope school. That's a beautiful place. It is beautiful. We live in San Rafael. Oh. And, and it's 9 out of 10 stars, but she gets a half hour of PE once a week. Like 9 out of 10 stars. That's okay. She comes home and she's like, Dad, we did dodgeball today. You would hate it. I didn't learn anything. Bam. You know, They're allowed to do dodgeball, though. I like that. <laughs> We're trying to take that shit away. No, but that's, okay. that's called recess. Dodgeball yeah. is not teaching skills. So what we teach is this re- the really rudimentary stuff. Can you? And there's some basic archetypes for the for the body. Can you 
bend over and pick something up? Right. Can you squat correctly? Right. Can you learn? Can you run correctly? Boom. Can you lunge? I mean, those those are the basic shapes of the hip. So let me ask you this: if you if you had a guy like Tim Sylvia, again we we established great yep. fighter in his, in his thirties. And he has this way of standing with his, his toes pointed in. Oh, toes pointed in. You... Why did he figure toes pointed in? What did that allow him to do? Create That's... even more torsion off of the ground. Uh-huh. So when his toes are in, he can create even more grip and torque in those basic shapes. He's figured out that that, that toe in position uh-huh. allows him to be more stable and, and, and functional. So how would you fix that, though? What would you have him do that would correct something well, like that? Well, the issue is, is he doing that because that's the only reason, only way he can move? Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, if he didn't have full range of motion in his hip, for example... Right. That's the problem. So as soon as you give – if you teach athletes so, – and they're doing their skill. Wait, hang on. If you teach okay. skills – because this, is, this is messes with people's minds. If you're a skilled athlete and you're training and doing all the drills and all the things, if I improve your range of motion, you instantaneously use it. You'll suck it up and use it. And I, I did this with like some, some fighters' hips. They were in guard. I gave them – showed them how to mobilize, and I mobilized them into better positions in guard and literally – they ended up in a stronger position because they used it right away. So hands in, internally rotates you and puts you into an unstable position. Well, you just said, I, I just started thinking about it. Um, if you point your toes forward, it does open your hips up a little bit. It allows you to create a little bit bigger grip. If you stand up and, and see how stable you are, it's a right. wretched position with your feet turned down. That's not a good athlete. Louis Simmons, best powerlifter on the planet coaching, he would choose athletes to be like, oh, you look how that guy's walking with his feet straight. He's going to be a good athlete. Wow. And how simple is that? Walk with your feet straight. If so, you're listening to this, tomorrow wake up and walk with your feet straight. So any guy who has his toes or any gal who has their toes pointed forward, it's not – they can turn it out. Yeah. Well, just, sometimes. Sometimes they're – so we, we go upstream. We look at his pelvis. If he's in a bad lower spine position, then that's the only position he can get his, in. If he, his feet. If his pelvis is overextended. So one of the things that we've got to teach people is what do you prioritize first? We prioritize nervous system for the reasons we talked about, which includes the relationship between your pelvis and your, and your spine, which is the best position to kick in. The, we were just, I was just looking at a, a, a great uh, uh, tennis player, and it's, he's just completely straight up and down, organized, toes pointed in the net, like it's, it's, or you know, as he slams the ball. It's because he figured out that was the most position position, more efficient position. So if we, if we organize the hip, what we see is that if your trunk is disorganized and people out there have a ton of shoulder pain, if you're rounded through your upper back, you cannot control your shoulders effectively. You lose po- power, you lose position, you lose mechanics. For example, we teach, I work with a lot of pitchers. But that's how a lot of guys punch. That's fine. A lot fine. of guys punch like that. The, the, and that, oh, is that, like a, a, an optimal, it's different, you think? Glenn, yeah. pick up that mic, Glenn. Oh, is that on? Yeah. So, yeah, just it, w- tell me what you talk, like, you're, as, you're so a fighter. Let me, let me just, would, let me just know. say first that punching... So fighting is right. not necessarily the best expression of human movement, right? Okay. But I need to be able to go in and out of these positions. And I can still generate force from this position, but if this is the only position I can be in, then my shoulders are going to be compromised. Oh, okay. So you're saying that not doing it occasionally, occasionally yes, is fine. That's right. But... It has to be. Go, right. ahead and, okay. go ahead and swim or jump off something. or like You're going to have to be. You need that capacity. Right. I'm not asking people to walk around like ballet dancers or deadlifters in this formal position. Uh-huh. That's the best way to teach the principle. 
I thought you were saying was never go into that no, position. No, that's ridiculous. Okay. I need to be able to come into that position and out of that position, okay. right? But if I'm stuck and I have one choice, which is that position, then I've limited my capacities, I've limited my abilities, I've limited my options. Right. So if you jump and land and your knees come in, you can't go any lower. You can't, you can't dip any dire- – you can't change directions. You can't jump higher, right? So when someone says a guy's pigeon-toed, oh, he's got poor genetics, that's incorrect. I would say that that's incorrect. So even though that like families will have be pigeon toed, it's really just them watching each other walk and choosing to it's walk. It's the mirror same. neuron. It's the the <sighs> thing. If it, look, I you, never even would have considered that. Right, right. Well, watch kids walk exactly like their dads. Why I always thought it was a genetic thing. What, what about he figured flat, out if he walked in? So, so what about guys, flat feet though? So flat feet is a genetic condition. Is it? It's why? not. Why is it flat? Because my that? mother has it and I have it. I so have it. and a lot of people I, have it. I have it. I have. It's like the clap, the mm. flat. So here's the deal. But, I mean, I can move on the balls of my feet. I move on the balls of my feet well. That's not the problem. I bet. I've always. I've, I've got 100 bucks. Anyone. I have never seen. I've never not been able to create an arch in someone. So how do you train an arch? The system, the, the whole body, obeys these basic principles. Right. That when my foot's on the ground and I create torsion through the hip, the whole system winds up and becomes stable. So, for example. I see what you're saying. You say I have your, shitty posture of the feet. Why? Yeah, right. So if you squat or run and you collapse your arches, is that a win? No, that's that's a fundamental breakdown and patterns that take long time to change. It takes two years to turn over all the connective tissue in your body, all your fascia. Two years. So if if I screw my foot into the ground, then the mechanics, the fascia, the arch, the bony structures pick up the arch, and the whole system becomes more stable. So if if you take your middle finger, put it over your pointer finger, on your right hand. That's and put put it down. That's your ACL in the front. Got it? Uh-huh. ACL. So your ACL comes in, that's anterior anterior cruciate ligament, attaches into your tibia. Right. If I externally rotate that thing, it right? Hurts. Anchor down, no, it becomes stable. Ex- oh, externally right? rotate. So well, like it this. winds up and becomes okay. stable. What happens when I turn your foot out? Okay. If oh, I, he's going, he's if, this way. So if I'm like this yeah. and I externally rotate, bam, the the, okay. the the thing becomes tighter. Right. If I turn your foot out and move that, what happens to your ACL? It unwinds and becomes more slack. Right. If your knee comes in, what happens to your ACL? It unwinds and becomes more slack. So the question is, what's the best position to create the most force? And that's usually a lot more straight foot. I have a little breathing room in there because mm-hmm. I can move around and right. I'm adjusting to the universe. But we know that when the foot starts to turn out past that, I can measure your hip function. I can squeeze your knees in. You can't create any torsion in that position, and it exposes you to more injury because you, your mechanics start to fall apart, including the structures of your feet. Wow. So what do you do to get a guy like me who's had flat feet for his whole life? How do you, how do you get me to – High to, heels. What do, I, what do I think? High heels? Mm-hmm. What, what color? Red. You had a picture of me, my shiny You're so and, my trashy, wearing, dude. and my glittery. What do I do? Girls don't want red bitch? roses. Am I a dirty bitch? Show. If I was a chick, though, come on, seriously. What? I, no I bullshit. Would, red I would, glitter? No, I would like you in a blonde wig, I think. <laughs> Pink lipstick and red heels. So are there any specific exercises Coco. that um, develop? Uh, yeah. Okay, what's Punching. the best? Punching. Punching? Jumping and squ- I mean, I mean like scr- jumping and landing, screwing my feet into the ground, squatting, right. teaching deadlifting. That's why it's so easy to teach these very formal movement principles under high load, high, and I reinforce them. The, the drills that people do so... 
this is, I think, a good, a good case. Think about when you were in high school how many drills you did before you were actually allowed to scrimmage. College, it gets worse. Like you yeah. do drills, 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 right? And if you're lucky, you get to scrimmage. So what that really is is practice, 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 practice. Well, let's just take the practice idea down. Not did you complete the task, yes or no, but were you in the best position possible, yes or no? Well, the, the coach has this discrete amount of time to get something done. It's hard to teach the basics Yet sometimes we have to. We still teach elbows into kids, right, right. when they're blocking because we don't want to get their arms take, taken right. off. Well, it turns out when we do air squats or squat, for example, warming up, we teach to keep the arms in because it becomes the default motor pattern. So this is my stable position. It's also funny that that's a dominant position in wrestling. I mean, it's essentially double underhooks. I mean, you're, 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 going, you're getting a guy under you like this. You can control the body clamping down like this. And what are you doing? You're creating you can extra rotation, torque off of both yeah. of those things. Instead of being up here, like if you have overhooks. That's why when a, guy, uh, when a guy has double underhooks on you and you have overhooks and you still flip them, you know, like you, you must be a bad motherfucker. Like there must be a big disparity in the grappling. Yeah, well, either that kid is really – he's got yeah. his positions. Like right? John Jones will do that shit to people. He'll double overhook people and then send them sailing. But that guy's timing is unreal. He's insane. So, right. So It's physical intelligence. <laughs> physical intelligence. And, ha- yeah. and some of that is, you know, the train, 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 well, it's training. It's also his form. He's got a very strange body. You know, I mean, he's a very, very strong kid, but he's six foot four, you know, 230 before he begins his cut and long as Texas. He's long as fuck, so he's doing shit and getting like leverage. Yeah. Like, you just can't, you can't compete with that shit. But, but what's it's too who, hard who says in certain it? positions? Who says position before submission? Doesn't that sound familiar? Everybody. What yeah. is position then? Well, it's leverage. It's being in Which the right is what? spot. Take the, take Depending it on where you are, it's the, the, the correct technique that's been assumed after you know hundreds of years or decades or whatever it has been of, of chesting and competition. And, and it, it and changes it, and all the time. It matches the physiology. It matches the best position for the body in that sh- that shape. That's what it's, it is. It sort of does, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's not it's an awkward position, but it works to get a guy in a in him in a vulnerable position. Like there's okay. a lot of submissions oh, that are uh, very oh, odd I, angles. I understand. I understand. Like how about, you know, like guillotines? Like that's so, so, a okay, fucking but but weird angle. how how are you yeah, still creating torque there? It's more powerful if your shoulders back in a stable position like Kelly right. saying versus right. being out here all off. Yeah, I guess guillotines not a good uh, you know what's a great one? Let me give you an example. <laughs> let's, I, was thinking, I was thinking of clock chokes, but I'm like, no, that's actually kind of how, how about point. how about a uh, a real example from my firefighters? So we got firefighters listening out okay. there. One of the dirty tasks of the firefighters to pick people up off the ground after after they after they've fallen off the toilet, right? And w- one of the guys at our gym is the medical examiner for San Francisco, so he, he goes around the, the world and picks up dead people. That's his job, right? He had a 350-pound woman die on the toilet. She falls between the toilet and the wall. I love it. He's still... So the question is, can that guy get into a perfect position to pick that woman up off the ground? Yes or no? No way. But what he can do is he can optimize his positioning as he tries to deadlift that dead body up, right? What about my first responders carrying people down the stairs? Like, you can't be in a good position with a stretcher down the stairs, so, but they know how to protect themselves because they straight do they always. do the best that they can because that's that's the positions that have been reinforced so the right. same thing happens you start to adopt these un- fundamental understanding shapes mm-hmm. because they just become rote and they also happen to match the, match the physiology 
Well, you know, I disagreed with you, but then in practicing the techniques, now I agree with you because there's like certain shit. Like I was thinking about guillotines, but the choking arm is this arm, and essentially that's exactly where it goes. It goes into that kind of a position. I mean, it's an awkward, especially if you do the Denny. Sure. Propag- Denny Propagos loves this grip. Jake Shields likes this grip too, where uh, it's uh, your your palms are facing outward. So what's that allow you to do? You right create is, a ton yeah. of torsion. But let me explain this to people. If you're watching on iTunes, you're, if you're a right-handed choker, your palm, your right palm is facing outward. And your left arm is facing inward as you do the choke. It's a, it's a weird, odd, odd position. But what it does is the way it sets the bone up on the neck. It's perfect. It's like the perfect. Ch- but it's odd as fuck. That's an odd as fuck feeling to have your hands like this in this weird position. And tr- but if you get that, it's incredibly strong. But I but disagree the, until I saw this. The physiology is the same. That's it. What Kelly's saying like, is if your shoulder's in a good position, then you're stronger from that position. Right. So if you've got a guy in a guillotine, right, and your shoulder's forward, your shoulder's rolled forward, you don't have as much squeezing power. Right. You don't have the same amount of leverage put into that versus if your shoulder's back and, and then you get your up. chest over their yeah. head, right, mm-hmm. and collapse it and yeah. you're able to get that. That's a more stable position. That's a better position. So a person with a comprehensive understanding of how the human body should move like you, when you could actually probably accelerate their ability to pick up skills. 100%. And I'll tell you, like, like Forrest Griffin is a ninja about his own systems. Like he understands, hey, I lifted heavy on this day before I trained. I start sleeping in my bedroom, right? I have to be up. I'm going to fight at 11 o'clock. He starts shifting his sleep patterns. He's up at 11. He's exercising at 11. All of those things are the same same language. Do I have? Can I do the basic maintenance on myself? Can I do the basic diagnostics on myself? Right. How do I measure these things? That's that's the embodiment we're talking about. And what's happened in the world now for the first time is that we have the the convergence of these systems. And like it's all there. It's really remarkable. So all right, I have an injury. I have a back injury. My uh, I have a disc in like C six or C seven that's that's bulging. It's been way better over the last couple of months because I took off a of jujitsu, but all the other things that I do don't bother. The only thing that seems to bother is jujitsu. What what can I do besides trying to stand straight? I've been doing that, fucking working on my posture. And, it helps. So we, we get the pain out of your nerves. So the first thing yeah. is we got to get people out of pain. I'm totally out of pain. Correct. I have zero pain. The only, I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm a little stiff, but I take uh, lacrosse balls and uh, I bridge on rec- lacrosse balls and I roll them. Where, that? Where did you hear that? I found it online. Is it you? Is it your idea? Was it? Congratulations. Or thank you, rather. Congratulations. I have a jet with a lacrosse ball in the back. I um, Well, that's – listen, man. I read about it on some uh, fitness forum. I don't even remember, but it, I didn't get right. credit given to you. So thank you because that has helped me so much. It's painful as fuck, but I love it. Uh, it's so, like a beautiful pain because right. I know the relief that it's going to give me. How do you know a, a tissue is normal? This is a good. This is a good. It doesn't question. hurt when you roll. The That's ball right. At all, yeah. it doesn't hurt. You start to compress my bicep. I don't freak out. I just you're compressing my bicep. It shouldn't feel like beef jerky, and it shouldn't hurt. So if you push on a tissue and it hurts, it's not normal. This is how I can prove that your system works. My left side was where I got injured. I have this weird left tweak, and it's nothing. It's not serious. Like I right now, I have zero hand pain, nothing. But when I get up in the morning, it's very stiff. And sometimes when I move forward, I can feel it. When I take the lacrosse ball and I and I and I bridge and I roll it on, I don't feel shit. I mean, it's it's relaxed, it's loose, everything feels like it moves good. And then when I always do it right before I train, but I always do the left side. So the other day, I did the right side. The right side's not even injured. And I was like, ah, ah, 
Ah! My right side was so fucked up. It was more fucked up than the side that has a disc injury. It was all knotted up That's and right. tight. Trying and to like, stabilize that side. Trying to stabilize. Trying to compensate for the left side being so fucked up. The pr- one of the problems I have is that people have made this like voodoo. Well, your left foot is off, and so your pelvis is through. Yeah, what is that about? Uh, it's misplaced precision. Like we measure all these. It's bullshit. Rolfers. You ever talk to a rolfer that hits you with that? They want to rub your ribs to straighten your toes out. This is, <laughs> this is a little. Look, you're yeah. assist- Look, I understand the connective tissue web. <laughs> like all, all my fascia kids out there, this is a this is a little known fact about Kelly Starrett. I got married when I was 25 to a girl I dated in college. We should be playing music while this is going on. She was a rolfer. Don't do the Hulk theme, man. That's when the Hulk walks away. I married a rolfer by accident. <laughs> Nothing wrong with rolfing. No, no, don't no. Don't get me wrong. Well, so he, the key about understanding that is that it's one, it operates on one system, and that's that connective tissue fascia system. Yeah. It doesn't teach you how to move, does it? No, it does not. Does it work on the joint capsule? No. Does it work on the muscle stiffness? No. So the reason rolfing didn't cure squatting knee pain cancer is that it's still incomplete because it doesn't still revolve. You have to teach people to move first, and you have to take this approach. When you're on the ball, you're working on the soft tissue, but you're also working on the rib joints. Mm -hmm. You're also working on the thoracic joints. So what happens is that you're stuck stiff because your T-spine gets stiff. That's what happens. You start to improve that mechanics. Your head positioning changes. The whole system upregulates. I have been in surgeries where they have literally, like they look at a guy's knee, and the knee looks like a bloody cave. Like there are stalagmites and st- stalactites and there are boulders in there and there's blood and there's no ACL. And the physician is like, what the hell? They pull out rocks and it pops out and everyone laughs. Well, it turns out that guy doesn't have knee pain. So the issue is that you're designed to be ridden hard and put away wet. You are designed when you just get a picture. I know so many world record holders and so many world champions who have herniated discs that are asymptomatic. They just don't hurt. You'll recover that thing. What you've lost is the, the, the right to be in shitty positions. You've sort of kind of given up that right. You've, you've used your get-out-of-jail-free card, and now you're going to be more positional sensitive. As you open up that thoracic spine and heal, heal that disc, one of my friends, how do you? How does it heal the disc, though? Well, the, 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 being, the, the, if the I disc, just stand up straight, it'll heal my disc? Well, the discs heal over time. They're, mm-hmm. very, they're poorly perfused, which is a reason why you can't be inflamed all the time and run around. You've got to set up the conditions for healing. But theoretically, I mean, you can't regrow an ACL or a bloody bone but you're designed to heal until you die. So the real question is, how are you optimizing that healing situation? I have this little, little formula. Right lifestyle, that means you're dealing with your stress, you're getting enough sleep, and the people out here know they don't get enough sleep. Sleep less than six hours a day, you can be 30% immune compromised, and your fasting blood glucose is up, it's elevated, you're pre-diabetic, like you had plus 30 pounds on you instantaneously. If you have right lifestyle, sleep, nutrition, hydration, you're doing all those things, plus correct movement, you should be pain-free and continue to get better. So we take that, our athlete Silva, right, who's uh, 30 years old? No, he's a bit older. Who? Anderson? Uh, no, no. Uh, Who? Tim? Tim Silva. Tim Silvia. Oh, Silvia. Oh, sorry. Tim Silvia. Yeah, Silvia is uh, right, right, maybe right. He's like in his late 30s. Okay, so one of the things that I'm interested in is how do I ex- extend the careers of these great athletes? Because it takes a long time to become a good fighter. Young kids in their 20s are genetic monsters. They can, they metabolically super fit, freakishly talented and fast. But by the time you're sort of in your 30s, you have fought a lot. You have a lot of experience. But that's when your body starts to break down. But you're really good when you're 34. You're really good when you're 35. Why have you been fighting for 25 years? You're a soldier. You're a Tour de France guy. You're a powerlifter. How do I extend your career 
how do I optimize your positions? Because you can do it until you physically can't do it anymore, right? Until you decide that I'm too slow or I'm not worth the training versus taking out because my neck hurts or my back hurts. And we're, we're having this luck. We're being able to extend guys' careers because we resolve their positions. We get them into these better lifestyles where they're, they're not eating the gluten. They're drinking more water. They're sleeping better. A lot of MMA fighters is just damage, just damage to the body. That's 100% true. Like that sport is going to accumulate some trauma. But if I know how to kick correctly, let's just say, then when I kick you, I turn the leg over. One of the things that happens is the hip ends up in a more stable position. Let, yeah. me, let me ask you about a guy that uh, I know that just retired recently, uh, Shane Carwin, uh, who uh, was a great fighter, really Beautiful guy, just a really friendly, brilliant guy. He was actually an engineer before he ever got into MMA. And he had to retire because of back injuries. He's got stenosis, and he's uh, started to uh, have an impingement on his nerves, and he's had a couple of operations. And uh, he feels that a lot of this he got during football, the heavy collisions. Uh, and, so to yeah. completely. So now he's stenotic. And for mm -hmm. those of you who don't know what stenosis is, it means you're extension sensitive. If you put your butt back like a cheap stripper... Not a classy stripper. Hey, like easy. Stripper, hey. We don't judge on this show. I'm not judging. But I, because when I'm in that position, I'm the biggest stripper in the room right now. No so one's cheap. That's There's right. No, nothing <laughs> that's cheap. Right. I'm just going to college. Okay. So when, my, when I overextend my pelvis to the low lumbar spine, what I'm doing is I'm closing off those facet joints. I'm locking down bone what is on it, bone. What is the facet joint? It's the weight-bearing doorstop of the of the of the spine. So, so at the for, bottom, is that what it is? Well, it's in the back. So what okay. happens is if I take your elbow and slam it into extension over mm -hmm. and over again, right? Right. Eventually you can handle that. But after a while, boom, that starts to hurt. Doesn't it? You jam yeah. me into extension. That's and, and well, it's one of the problems with jujitsu. You're yeah. always getting arm bar. That's and, right. You always know, getting arm get bar. And you get arm serious arm problems. That's right. So it's the same thing for your back, except the problem is that your back is set up to take billions of oscillations. So it's, it doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes you're going to get dumped on your head, and that's called sport. We that's that catastrophe. Now let me ask you this though: do you, when you see a guy that gets a, a serious back injury and then goes through surgery, do you think that's a mistake? Not always. Not always. No, not always. How how often is it a mistake? Well, if the guy's moving poorly, still is moving poorly, we don't have addressed the reason why he's had that problem. It's not just catastrophic. You just didn't you know get crushed one time, dumped on your head. Like you know, you can get dumped on your head and herniate a disc. That's not your fault. Right. But the stenosis, you know, happened. So he's saying, hey, it happened these high collisions. What position was his back in when he collided in these other kids? We teach chest up to tacklers, right? Right. Yet kids can't perform some of these basic squats. And so they overextend in this shape because they don't have this language of keeping the spine straight. And they mm -hmm. basically end up defaulting to this bone-on-bone -bone position. Okay, in all fairness, though, he's getting hit from the side by fucking gorillas. This is, yeah, this well, is not as simple as, you know, a guy having poor oh, form. Oh, well, but it's a lifetime of this. Right. So but why, getting, why is... He's but, but playing you, football. The other guys... fucking slamming into each other. I mean, so, that's chaos. So position matters more. So, I mean, you... I, I have a bunch of kids in I the agree. NFL. I agree. It does if you can control the situation. But sometimes you can't. When you're a football player, you got dudes coming at you on the side. Do you but, think it's that one shot that takes them out? Or is it the repeated no. shots that makes them sense? I think that happens a lot, though. you got to take that into consideration when you're talking about 300 men who can run, you know... Uh, they can do the hundred and what, like four seconds. You know, this, these are giant freak athletes. Giant freak athletes who also you, like a fracture car. their backs. Yeah, just blocking. 
Right. Is, what about – let's scale it down because we see kids in high school have that stenosis. Listen, man, you're obviously the expert in, in this physical movement thing, but I think you've got to take into consideration the physical trauma of sure. 300-pound guys running at you. But, well, and I think this is what he's trying to say is if you're having that drama in a bad position, yes. then it's going to have higher consequences. So if that guess, person – that's that same, true. If that same person, say, for example – understands how to squat, understands how to deadlift, understands the proper organization of the spine. Right. And then that motor pattern is ingrained, right? So that's just a part of their wiring. And then they go out in the football field and they're hitting in those good positions. Their chances of getting injured are, are a lot lower yes. than, say, if they've developed these bad positional right. you know, habits, right? All so the I'm running over, overextended. So I'm overextended. Totally right. So I'm overextended. Now every time I get hit – Boom! Now, now that's that's the bone on bone. But there's collision. also times so, where they get scissors. Sure, but where okay. one dude that, that goes high, control, right? So that's, that, that's that's a lot that. of times what how guys get really badly injured. Yeah, and that's fighting. That's like Bo Jackson, yeah. right? Absolutely. Like just stepping wrong. I mean, yep. you can control that. Yeah. Right? So, but, but you but can you take, can mitigate that by being in a good position, or right. or, or, or training your but body. But there are being, unusual and unique moments so that you can't control, that, which that's is sport. Athletics, yeah. That's right. Which is sport. So. But I'm just saying that if I grab him, if I grab him, oh yeah, here's the deal. Key, this is the key understanding. No one is being an ass here. Everyone's working to the limits of their understanding. No, no one's saying you are. No, no. Wait, I'm saying no. no I don't. Saying... I, I, I don't want to be an ass. I want. To, I want to make sure that people understand that. What I think is that people are working at the limits of their understanding. We have burnt athletes at the at the stake of performance that we didn't understand all the ramifications of. Right. You got the job done. We lived on the clock. Let me use an analogy for you. I learned this from you. This is like this is one of the from me. Yes. This is one of the swear to God guiding forces of my life. Don't hang tough. Okay. Fear factor. No. This guy had to eat like a foot long horse cock in like an hour. Okay. That never happened, but go ahead. Uh there's uh, <laughs> well hang tough. He had to eat something. So you that guy's eating Right. And he's making jokes, and you're like, hey, bro, watch the clock. You, uh, it was like in the best of Fear Factor, too. Right. You're like, watch the clock, watch the clock. You're trying to help him. You're coaching him. He's making jokes. He's flirting with the girls. He's eating, and he swallows the last bite at the last second. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're like, sorry, bro, you timed out. And the guy freaks out. He's yeah, like, I remember that, dude. Yeah. I was trying to tell that guy, I, I know what you're doing, but you can't do it. Don't do it. Don't fucking waste your energy talking and having fun. I'm like, you got a lot. Of, I, I've been there before. I've seen a lot of people eat dick. It takes some time. <laughs> it takes some serious fucking time. And you think you take the first two, couple of bites, you're like, I'm fine. Dude, you got five minutes to eat that whole dick. It's not that easy. Goblin dicks. You gotta, you gotta watch the clock. You gotta manage you gotta, the details. You also have to have chewing endurance. That sounds so crazy, but there's shit like livers and kidneys. Kidneys is a perfect one. If somebody tells you, hey, I'm gonna make a bet with you. Listen, you wanna make some money? Tell a motherfucker he can't eat a, a, a kidney, like a cow kidney. Tell him that he can't eat it in an hour. Because he's not gonna fucking eat it. Just make sure he can't have any water. You can't wash <laughs> it down with shit. You just have to eat it. It's not happening. Okay, it's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. It's you know how happen. I know? I'm an expert on that. I know. I know. I'm I've seen. You. I've seen a lot of people. I've seen PAs do it for a hundred bucks. I've seen contestants do it. You can't eat it. It's too hard. It's you're chewing the shit out of something. It's like you're running up hill sprints with your jaw. That's what it's like. That's right. And so like you're wrestling Corellin with your jaw. Can't train for that. <laughs> the kidney is insurmountable. The, the, you have to control what you can control. Right. So if so you that, learned that from me. <laughs> <laughs> Got to control the clock, bro. So let's say that um, I'm teaching kids to, to do like a what's like a not a wizard, but like a you know suplex. A, a suplex. There you go. And uh, if I don't teach kids to 
get stiff and brace against that. The same way we teach our young throwers, we teach them to arch as hard as they can. Well, that arching hard as they can is me cranking on those, those joints over and over. This pattern was set up from him in high school, in middle school. Billions of reps accelerated under big loads with 300-pound guys, accelerated in the ring. So could we have extended his career long enough? And more importantly, I want these fighters to finish their careers and not be disabled. I want them to finish their careers and have some aches and pains, and hey, they tore their ACL, but they shouldn't be disabled. The same thing with our firefighters, the same thing with our kids in the Army. You know, we're in your 40s, you should still be able to train, you should still be able to pick up your kids, and we're seeing is that that guy has rung the bell on his back, seriously, because maybe he played pro ball and, and, and some, had some unfavorable things. How do we maximize his positions? Brian, what the fuck are you putting on the TV? <laughs> Buffalo penis. Buffalo penis? Yeah. Oh, everyone's so happy. <laughs> Okay, stop, bro. Stop, stop, stop. Uh, this is goddamn you stream. Okay, this is in your house. We can't just be showing that shit. I don't even think it's legal. Buffalo, buffalo penis makes me gag all the time. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. You fuck. What were we just talking about? Where were we at? Where, where'd you? How do we? At? How do we extend the careers of our best athletes? Oh, and when yeah. they're finished, how do we do it? So how? How? So I love. I mean. You should be able to wrestle your whole life, right? Oh Jesus Christ! Are you crazy? Can you do the jujitsu? What old guys don't do jujitsu? Yeah, in you do, but you gotta, you just gotta flow roll. Those old dudes, they do jujitsu, but it's a different thing. And you they know, only roll with certain... guys that know what's up. Like, yeah, you can't just you can't just pick out this hungry kid. Yeah. Just... This is my my friend Yoshi is uh, sixty three years old. And he's a black belt under Jean-Jacques Machado. And he's very technical, but he's a little guy. He's a Japanese man. He's 63 years old, and he's only probably 145 pounds at the most. He's not a big guy. And he'll find the guys to roll with. He's smart now, but he's, you know, he's going to do a genius? different kind Does he move really well? He knows jiu-jitsu very well. I mean, he's a, Jean-Jacques Machado doesn't give out any fake black belts. If that guy's giving you a black belt, you're legit. So if Yoshi's a black belt, he's a real black belt. It just, his, his movements are, you know, he's just smart. He doesn't want to tax his body. He's 63 years old. So when he, he rolls, look, if, if the shit came, the shit hit the fan and he had to choke you to sleep, he could choke you to sleep. But he doesn't want to have to do that every day at 63 years old. Fair you know enough. what I mean? Fair he enough. wants to he's flow roll. He's lost some of the tissue tolerance. Yeah. I think a, we are in, we're in an epoch. He's a, that was a, retired. He's retired. Right. I mean, what is, what is retirement age? But. So Dude, 35 he, usually is typically what for <laughs> no, what's retirement age for for, for, for people for like people who work at the post office is it 65 or is it 55 yeah, it's like 65 what did it used it used to be younger and they they extended it was it like 59 at one point or am 70s, i making that up it's going to be so bad now yeah i think i think it's longer now because people's health yeah, well, but we're, we're, I'm talking about just people in general who retire from jobs, and this guy is going in there doing jujitsu, you know, physical practice, master, young men takes care. But also look at look at some of the the management of training opponents is very important. That is important. Yeah, you, you know, th those young kids shouldn't be, you know. You can ask a lot more. It's not that at all. There's but, young kids I 100% trust. It, what, it, what it's all about is not rolling with yahoos, not rolling with anybody who is, doesn't know what they're doing. They dive on shit that doesn't really work. They just land on your ankle or something. They just cranking yeah. on limbs for grab, no reason. Grab your fucking wrist. We and call it. We, call it we have a technical term for it called hanging on the meat. We see those kids yeah. all the time, and they do the same thing. They also get really excited about tapping you too, which is like settle the fuck down. Like you're trying to tap someone too hard. 
you know, you're you're not in a position where you're really effectively utilizing that technique. You're squeezing the shit out of it in a bad spot. Like you're actually wasting effort because yeah. all that guy has to do is survive that, and then you're done. You know, you're done. You're not gonna. All he has to do is get through this one squeeze. Just count to twenty. Don't tap, and then dominate you. Yeah, and and flow flow rolling, like you yeah. said, is an art in and of itself, right? So and it's an art of trust as well, as is flow kickboxing. You know, you know that as much as anybody. Which is way harder. Which is way, way harder. harder to control strikes yes. and impact, and you you see the times. Like, so I've yeah. skilled. So I spent a lot of time oh, yeah. in Thailand, and and they don't spar. At all, really. No, it's all when they, pad work. It's all pad work. It's all clinch work. So like 50% of their training is clinch work, like right. you were saying earlier. I mean, not, not a lot of people realize Very that. Very underrated grapplers. Oh, oh, huge. Like, I mean, most of my grappling comes from Muay Thai. And then I'll go in and, and wrestle with Division One wrestlers. And, and, and that all applies. Like, the it's, trips. It's just the, the off-balancing. You watch a guy like Sanchai, fuck around. That guy... Yalsin Klai, yeah, all but, those guys, Bukow, oh, shit. that guy has incredible trips. Well, they, they because of Bukow, they outlawed clinching in K1 because exactly. he's just dropping fools <laughs> on the head. And because of Alistair Overeem, too, they wouldn't allow the double hand because yeah. he, he would grab, he, he's so strong, he's a fucking gigantic power lifter, dude. He gets a hold of that double hand, just boom, dude, but those thunder knees are coming. With the sparring, you watch the tie spar, no knee pads, no nothing, and mm-hmm. they, they know what's up. They yeah, they're tapping each yeah. other. Man. And it's super relaxed. Yeah. And, and, and it's when you can like, find a training partner like that, it's a beautiful thing. Oh like you will progress. You'll meet you like two o'clock, you want to meet at two o'clock, and you you both know that neither one is gonna do anything stupid. It's quality numbers quality too. You're able to get in some quality numbers. And then you develop quality those num- quantity. Yeah. Oh, then you develop yes. those those instincts where you're you don't even know you're doing the movement until it's already over. See, and this is what's brilliant really what with Kelly's system. For example, let's take the squat. Like if you understand some of the underlying principles of the squat, what he's talking about, torque. Glenn Cardova on the mic, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> creating torque, creating stability, right? You see that same rules applied in jiu-jitsu or in fighting, right? So you know when you throw a cross, you, you know, turn your foot into the ground. Well, mm-hmm. that, all that is, is is a mechanism of stability, right? You're just creating stability through the hip so you can transfer that force up through the ground, through your body, out through your hand. So if you're practicing that in strength and conditioning, right, say we're practicing a split jerk or a squat or whatever it is, we're able to, to practice those mechanics so then when you go into your sport, fighting, whatever it is, it's transferable. All of a sudden you see it. Even and windmills. Exactly, exactly. But it's all the same, yeah. the same ideas. You're, right. You're, you know, now, now throw in the fact that these guys have cultures around massage and sleep and these weird recovery And getting things. jerked off. Yeah. Oh, ties are big on right? Nico Chan, Pero Pero. They don't fuck around, dude. So, so, Stadium. so check this out. No, let's, let's, go, let's go here for a second. One of the problems that we have with athletes who are uh, in a very sympathetic state, right? You're fighting, this training, it's a very high sympathetic state. So your sympathetic nervous system is up and going. You're in this fight or flight kind of pounding. We measure this with heart rate variability in our athletes. We can put a heart rate monitor on you in the morning. When you breathe in, your heart rate accelerates. When you breathe out, it decelerates. Kids who are not recovering, their heart rate stays the same. Boom, boom, boom. They're driving. You lay down at night. You're just, you can't turn off. I know good coaches who've worked with like NBA players. The only way that NBA player can come down after the game or from training or practice is to smoke a bowl and roll out on the foam roller. And that really is about tricking the body into 
accessing the parasympathetic nervous system. It's not an accident. I think some of those cultures around, physical cultures, have some of these things built in about bringing you out of that sympathetic state and bringing you into that parasympathetic state, which is about adaptation recovery. So that's that state where you can – so, I mean, how weird is that, that, that uh, you know, getting a hand job in a tie place after you fight – is really also about it's relaxing. Oh. oh, it's relaxing. So guess what? You you start to recover. You sleep better. Yeah. Right. So there's a whole one of the things we are, you know, how are we systematizing that? How do we give people their access to their diaphragm? So one of the things that I'm I'm interested in right now is some of my uh, my ninja like special forces guys come back from the GAN. They've been long deployments. <laughs> if you the call GAN. them ninjas one more time, you're officially Mike Goldberg. Mm. I don't, I don't want to say who they are. No, scary guys. Okay. <laughs> that just sounds like something Their Mike testosterone comes say. back, and their testosterone is really low. Their testosterone is like 170, which is that of like a 90-year-old man. Oh, man, that's high. Nico <laughs> 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 Coco. Nico. So, He's all drained. So if, you, if, if these guys are caught in this sympathetic outflow state, right, they're just the, – you know, the, the, the dirty secret of pro sports is ambient. Like that is a, such a dirty secret of guys getting on the on the bus back up from after plan. They take an Ambien. All the soldiers survive and start sleeping. They take an Ambien. They take two Ambien. They wake up and take another Ambien. Like this is how they're trying to sleep again. So we start measuring all of this stuff, yet we're in bad position. So if I'm overextended, which is where most of us are living, where most of us are living in this overextended position, not this uber flexed. Your lower back is overextended. Your upper back is slightly flexed. This is like when you're sitting up in the car, when you're standing with your feet turned out, your pelvis is dumped forward a little bit. When you are in a bad position of your spine, your body doesn't work very well. The whole thing, just like in your bad position of the foot, you can't kick as well, you can't move as well. Well, the same thing happens with the musculature of your trunk, so that if you're in an overextended position, your pelvic floor doesn't turn on, which means you can't create as much intra-abdominal pressure. This is why you see overextended women exercising and they pee when they jump, right? They do, they do double unders and pee comes out. When they're in that bad Who position. Who are these women? <laughs> it's not pretty. <laughs> I got a website for you. <laughs> overextended, it's a genre. Overextendedpeer.com. Uh, Dick Cardi um, in my mouth. Don't, don't go to OlympicLiftingProlapseBattle.com. Don't do that. I've been there. Too, too late. So, so when, but also the same your thing happens. warnings are in vain. So when you're overextended <laughs> through your pelvis, your pelvic floor doesn't turn on. When you're overextending your rib cage, your diaphragm doesn't work very well. And so you start doing this breathing in your neck. And so I don't have good access to your, your diaphragm control because it's just in a bad position. So you start making VO2 compromises, right? You're not putting out the same VO2. Your breathing is inefficient. That diaphragm has attachments onto your psoas. Like the whole system starts right. to get away. Why? Because you're just in a bad position. So in that sense, it's – yeah, that, that's really interesting. Look, look at where, the, where the, really the Muay Thai guys take the shot. Are they here? Mm -hmm. No, they're really straight up and down, right? Breathing out, managing that breathing because it's that clinch is so aerobic. And that, in that sense, it's, it's actually very important to never overextend yourself then. It's never it's, – it's important, especially during training, to extend yourself to the brink, never overextend yourself, never get yourself in a position where you're using shitty form. Well, that's going to happen automatically. It happens because it's called training. And your coach is like, that was shitty. Mm -hmm. Right? It happens because you're Right, because partners. you're improving. That's right. Right. The practice of that. You know, learning with your left hand, you made a ton of errors. You, you, you integrate. Mm -hmm. You're making ma major feedback. How do we give you more feedback? I want you to make errors. If you do it more than once, it's practice. Right. That's, that's the difference. What's up, brother? Yeah, sure. Whatever you got, then. You got those, more of those... Uh, 
ciders are ciders, delicious. Those are goddamn yeah. awesome. I brought you a bottle of champagne, too. That's oh, what, thank That's you. what we drink. I had a cider in England and in Ireland. Those are the only times I've ever had cider. They love it over there, man. They say, you want a cider? I'm like, I thought we were drinking. And then they give you a cider, and you're like, oh, shit, this is delicious. Because you're still thinking you of fucked up. You're still thinking of Zima. That was the, gave you the bad hey, cider wrap. Let me tell you something. I fucking drank Zima until the day they pulled it out of bars. I didn't give a fuck. I, was, I remember I was, you, at a, I was at the improv, and uh, John Henson, remember John Henson from Talk Soup? He was like, I can't believe you're drinking Zima. I was like, God damn it, John Henson. I enjoy a fucking Zima. I'm going to drink this Zima, and I'm going to do it with pride. The I'm bottle was like The bottle was like a little bottle of Miami Vice. Like it had like it was Art Deco. No it had a black. It had no a black label. That. I know. I'm telling you, that's what gave it a bad. Remember that ad? I'll have a Zima to please. I believe. I didn't give a fuck about that ad. That shit tastes delicious. And Mark's hides hard. Ads don't confuse me. Okay, that's why I get mad when people get shitty with advertisers. Listen, man, that is one of the easiest con games of all time. That's three card money for blind people. All right. And you're getting mad? You're getting mad at advertisers? How dare you? They are weeding out sheep. If you can't figure out that if you buy that car, that girl will not fuck you. If you can't figure that out, then you deserve to lose every penny your stupid ass figured out how to squirrel away. That's Macklemore popping tags. It's yeah, true, right? You don't get excited. You know That's what I'm talking about, dog. You don't get excited about that car thinking this girl's coming. You know, you brought, you brought up something that um, we're starting to see is that culturally there's this shift going on where some of the big corporations, some of the best thinkers are not saying, they're saying like, hey, stop blaming the corporations. Like, it's not McDonald's fault. It's your fucking fault. We don't train kids. It certainly is that. And it is also, uh, you know, look, there's nothing wrong with having corporations as long as the, even if the corporations are bullshitting people in, in that way, with advertising rather, not lying. But, but it's also, it's, it's us that are not accepting responsibility for our own diet and getting together and figuring out the sp same amount of time you spend pursuing your career. You should spend that amount of time pursuing your diet. Truth, 100%. Consider, consider your diet. Consider what you're taking into your body. Make sure you're getting the proper vitamins. Are you, how, much vi how many vitamins are you getting in a day? How much phytonutrients? How much water are you drinking? How much sleep are you getting? And if you think about all the other shit in your life, like your career and your fucking score on StarCraft, you think about all that shit, but you don't think about your body, you're fucking up, son. But people are taking, um, you know, responsibility for nutrition, more so now than sleep, ever. more so now. You see it everywhere, documentaries, books, whatever. But what hasn't been done, this is what, you know, what I've really taken from Kelly, is he's put movement on the table. Movement, yeah. position as a skill. What, eating is a skill? Sleeping is a skill? There's like, a skill. Like, you so teach your kids how to sleep, right? Didn't you? You got to cry no, it out. I, you got to sleep. Dr drug them. They fucking scream and shit. You well, got to drug them. Well, the fact is. Stun like dart. You, that's what we do. Stun dart. Like you were saying earlier, Joe, like, oh, I, I mess around with a crossbow and I feel better. Mm -hmm. Like everybody should know that. Yeah. Like, but everybody knows now, like, oh, I should eat real food as opposed to industrialized food, right? Mm -hmm. That's just like common knowledge. Most it's, it's becoming common knowledge, you know yeah. what I mean? But it's not common knowledge that you should roll around a lacrosse ball. Yeah. Or that I should understand that I should sit or stand or be in these better positions. Like, Musashi. they don't. They don't get that. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm in pain. They wait till something's wrong, and then they go to the doctor, and they're like, oh, you know, do this. And Dude, Musashi's my whole right arm. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, shit. Sure you had no, Musashi. come on. That's Musashi versus a tiger. When I was a kid, man, the Book of Five Rings was one of the most important things I ever read. I remember I was reading it, and I was like, in my mind, I was like, this guy fought with fucking swords. Listen to him. Yes, he, he learned some shit. But, uh, that's what I mean. Like he was, was, was he jerking off yeah. when he was like, "Hey, organize yourself. Be in a yeah. combat stance all the time." So if you took Musashi, your fighter, and you take a, you take Musashi's word at it, 
Is your combat stance your everyday stance? Is that how you're standing when you cook eggs? Yes or no? For me, no. I cook eggs naked with a hard <laughs> on. You, that's a good position. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a good position. I'm not I saying. I back. I cook, I cook eggs with one hand in my ear like I'm picking my ears. It's a terrible <laughs> combat stance. Musashi was a bad motherfucker. I mean, he, he wrote a lot of amazing things. And one of the most amazing things he wrote was the, the need for balance, the need for art. The need for philosophy, the need for calligraphy. Did he carve the ore yes. on the way to kick Kojiro's ass? Exactly. But what you're saying is it, it sort of balances that. It makes sense. Because what you're saying is that you need to balance your body out. And what he's saying is your body is just a part of your whole. You need to balance the whole thing out. Your mind, your personality, everything. All of it needs balance in order to perform at your optimum level. Exactly. So movement is the missing piece, right? So mm -hmm. like nutrition, sleep, people right. get it. People understand they need to be hydrated. They understand they need to exercise. But do they understand what those good positions are? Do they understand what... Like, if I have knee pain, it's not, it's not just out of nowhere. It's because I gave myself that knee pain through bad mechanics and bad movement, right? Unless and, I, was, I have pathology or catastrophe. Unless right? you have yeah. pathology yeah. or catastrophe. But, like, exactly. but take Kojiro. He was probably a better swordsman than Japan, then, right? He fought uh -huh. with a long sword. He understood how the long sword meant. I use this analogy for our, our really tall athletes. I'm like, quit fighting or quit moving like a little short guy. You're not. Right. You're six foot five, so be like a long sword. But he wasn't integrated. He didn't bring mindfulness to all the things. Why are you practicing this training? Why are you lifting weights? Why are you fighting? The whole point of this, ultimately, don't barf, self-actualization. That's what it's about. Yeah. No, it's, it's not a barf word. That's, it's a word that's been co-opted by people who are barf-worthy. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's like people who say spiritual. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Well, you know what that means to me? Run! That's what it means. Run, because you're about to get in a stupid fucking conversation about tr crystals. <laughs> Someone's going to tell you about, you know, experiences they've had. My grandmother was there with me. I felt her. Shut your mouth. You don't even know what you're saying. Anytime and, there's a girl named Crystal in them, I'm usually... It's crystals. Those oh, crystals. 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 Those, they pretend that they give you power. Yeah, God well, damn it. You got, I mean, totally. This is this whole conversation, and literally the, the people you're bringing on is saying, what is the optimized self? How much more yeah. capacity do I have? The, the metaphor for saying the training, what if I didn't ever fight or express this, but I should still be a skilled human when I pick up my kids or when I'm you know, cooking or when I'm lifting my groceries. It's the same thing. Sure. Look, the, in physio, we have this test. It's called the timed up and go. You'll like this, the tug test, right? You get why out of it. Why are you pointing at him? Sure, no, come on. He's a, uh, because he keeps pulling off the, the horse cock on the TV. Mm. Do it again. You if you, yeah. if you, uh, if you, you know, you get out of a chair, you walk three meters, you turn around, you sit back in the chair. That's the test. If you can do it fast, you're not less likely to fall and kill yourself. They can measure that. Okay. There's a famous hammer thrower named Litvinov who had a, a squat workout he did on Mondays. He would front squat. 200 kilos for seven reps and then run 400 meters. Those things are scaled. What we have to do, it's the same thing, getting out of a chair, walking, front squatting, running, same. Our thinking has to be integrated enough. And what, this is Buckminster Fuller talking about integrated systems, right? Mutually calming systems. It has to scale for my kids. What you need to eat is the same thing your kids need to eat. How you take care of your body is what your kids take care of the body. It has to scale up and down. I have to be integrated in all those systems. And if I don't, no wonder we see so much wasted effort with all the kind of BS problems we're dealing. Let's take that off the table. We have a chance to get it right this time. I'm serious. I mean, this, this is the message of hope. But literally, you should be empowered. 
because there are people talking about it and putting the information out for free. And in, if you don't understand how it's not impacting the quality of your life, you're, you're, you're leaving it on the table. No, I think you're making a lot of sense. And I think this is the first time where this kind of information has been so freely distributable. You know, like using the Internet, using Twitter, using YouTube videos. I know you put out a shitload of videos, right? How many videos did you put out? It's like 560. Jeez. Yeah, and you just slammed them out there and people eventually took notice. I mean, that's just how it goes when you have quality ideas. And that's the beautiful thing about this world is that all Kelly Starrett needs is one dude to find that video and say, hey, man, check this shit out. And that dude sends it to another dude and he goes, man, I've been having a problem just like this. And hey, send that shit to Lenny. And then boom, 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 boom. And the next thing you know, it just takes off like it's on fire. You had Baz on not too long ago. Boss Root, yeah, you mean? Boss Rutten, yes, Don't sir, you sir. call him Baz. Oh, yes. He'll fucking find you and liver kick you. He will liver kick the shit out of you. His left side's still good. There's a, he's a guy you could talk to because Boss has had some serious neurological And guess what? He, fit, he started using my stuff on his neck and he started sleeping better. I bet he did. He figured it out. His, um, his right arm is, uh, he was talking about it on the podcast, it's like his wrist all the way up. He, he lost, like, amazing amounts of muscle tissue, massive atrophy, atrophy, pinching of the nerves, and he's had two neck surgeries so far. And you know what, man? For a dude like that, like former UFC heavyweight champion, if, if a guy's an accountant and his arm turns into a noodle, you know, it freaks him out. But a guy like Boss Rutten, you a know, guy, that's got A heavyweight like, guy that could do a one-arm pull-up. Yeah. No, that's serious. Oh, he, oh, he was an serious. animal. That, vid- he, that video of him, was well, an I mean, animal. he's an animal. 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 When he I, I, fucked up to- Koshaka for the for the title, when he fucked up TK, just d- teed off on him. Boss Rutten was like one of the best strikers in that day. He was one of the first guys to really incorporate like a high-level athletic striking style. Totally. He was the pre-Krokop. Yeah. Sorry. But even more mean. He was oh, a yeah. dude, he ever been slapped to the ear? And it was also the thing about Boss, he could take it. Boss took it for, with Kevin Randleman. He won the title off his back. back. Yeah, the first time off his judges back. got it right. And people time. say, you know, hey, he doesn't deserve that. Like, but Gene LaBelle called me up right after. That's the biggest piece of bullshit i ever seen in my life. But Gene LaBelle is a grappler, and he's a judo champion. And he let, you but know what what, at the same time, was Randleman trying to advance position? No. Nope. Was, he, was, throwing strikes? was he throwing strikes? Was he throwing strikes? No. I mean, I mean... Well, Boss Rutten was fucking him up from oh, his back. downward elbows. Yeah. And he, he was trying to advance position, too. Exactly. He was trying to sweep. He was trying to get up. Randleman was just using his superior wrestling to keep him on the ground. And he I mean, took it. He took a lot of shots. Mm. A lot of people didn't... Here's the, here's the, the rub, though. He did not want to be there. And that's why a lot of people think that Randleman won that fight. It's because Randleman put him where he wanted to every single fucking time. He just was unable to do anything other than keep him there, and Boss was throwing these strikes off the bottom. The question is, how effective were those strikes, and what dictated the fight more? Honestly, I say Randleman's wrestling dictated the fight more because he took him down whenever he wanted to. And he held him down whenever he wanted to. Boss fucked him up from the bottom, but he only fucked him up from the bottom because Randleman got tired. See, and this is where I think that judges need to start taking into consideration damage inflicted. Yep. Like, you look at it, you need to you need to be able to assess. I totally agree. You know what I mean? Like, you look at a guy, what, what was the fight? Like, Campman uh, Sanchez, for example, where it was a close fight, but you look at both fighters, right. and Campman looked... Pretty clean, you know. They right. had just been in a war, but Diego looked like Elfin Man, like totally. He looked like not he that Diego's a, a bad fighter. A the guy's a fucking beast, obviously. But I mean, the point is, you got to be able to take, you got to be able to take into account the amount of damage done, even Un- if the guy's on the bottom. Like it's, you see it sometimes. Right. Guy on the bottom is going. You say it all the time. Guy's yeah. going for submissions. Uh-huh. Who's attacking who? The guy right. on the bottom's attacking. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in that sense, Boss Rutten clearly won. Exactly, no doubt about it. 
And I, I agree with that. I think it has to be sort of an accumulative thing. And I also think we should take into account more what happens at the end of the fight. And this yes. is going to so sound this stupid. Is how, yes. No, this is how Muay this Thai is, is judged. I don't yeah. give a fuck. No, listen. In, in, in Thailand, they in, they don't even judge the first two rounds. And, and people who have been to Thailand and understand Muay Thai know that they play music during the fight. Yeah. And during, yes, exactly. So as the fight progresses, that tempo increases. Yes. Right? And the idea is that as the tempo increases, that they're going to increase the tempo of the fight. They're going to fight harder. They're going to... And that's so a tradition. They it's don't also even, based around betting. Yeah, so exactly right. Yeah. But they don't even start judging the fight. And, and granted, the judging is pretty corrupt and, and, not, and not balanced. But the point is, they don't even start judging until the third round. So these right. guys have fought for six minutes already. And the fight doesn't even start, according to the judges, until the third round. Right. The you third know, third, round. fourth, and then the fifth. So every subsequent round is judged higher than yeah. the. Than well, the that more. and that's why it can't just ever be about who's the best physical specimen, whose training is most complete. You know, this is why Rocky beat. You know, Will. <laughs> right. It's Will, it's and Will. that's why competition keeps us in, especially if it yeah. keeps us in, because what you're really seeing is let's get to the heart of the human spirit. More importantly. How do we take all the other BS off the table? Because if you're out because your knee, your back, you can't express. You know? Well, we all know that one guy that's like super talented in the gym but can't put it together when he fights. There's certain guys. Incomplete. I, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I totally agree. There's that, certain guys that in the gym, they're the most frightening people on earth. And then something happens to them when they compete and they fall apart. It's really strange. I know some guys. You we know all some know guys. some yeah, guys. Yeah, you all know that guy that just Everybody knows some guys. Well, how, how do you... And we know some guys the other way as well. We're guys that aren't physically talented, but they're just fucking ferocious. And they, they find up. a way to win. And you're like, this motherfucker is fighting above his head where everybody's fighting 10, 20% below their capacity. It's like his expectations have been lowered so much by his own physicality that he goes in there saying, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to fucking fight with what I've got. Whereas everybody else is like, don't fuck up. Don't make a mistake. Like It's almost like he benefits from being the underdog. Yeah, I would say that. Mentality. And there's, there's less pressure on the underdog. Every All the fighters say For that. For sure. They're like, I'd prefer to be an underdog. Cause that's then, legit. All the pressure's on the guy that's expected to yeah. win. You're like, dude, all I got to show up. I'm not going to disappoint anybody if I lose because everybody expects yeah. I'm going to lose. And that's so, a subject that's been covered, the psychological management. Totally. You it's see been covered much more than your your ideas, which are physical movement. Physical movement hasn't been discovered or really like uh, tuned on uh, on the same level. Well, and I I think it has been discovered. I shouldn't say discovered. I mean more like uh, adopted. adopted. Yeah, yeah, integrated. People don't understand that how they squat will have a direct effect on how they punch. Like people yeah. haven't connected those dots. Like what Kelly was trying to say earlier about making the connection between strength and conditioning and like fighting, for example, is that if I understand what the athlete needs to do when he's squatting then I don't need to be a fighting coach to know that he's going to lose power when he punches. So I can watch you squat, and I can tell already, based on how you're squatting, say your knee is caving in and your ankle is collapsing and you have a, a shitty squat, right? Right. Well, I can tell right away that, that that's your motor part and that's your default movement, right? Yeah. So if you take that movement and you transplant that into a fighter, a guy that's throwing a punch, well, I can deduce that that's going to be the same motor pattern. So it's easier to fix that movement pattern when you're squatting. Like, okay, let's get you to understand the correct mechanics of the body while you're moving in a controlled environment. And then hopefully over time that becomes ingrained. And, this, this, and, then, yes. and then when you throw a punch, then it's like they start to make the connection. Uh, They're like, oh, shit, you know, like I tore my ACL because – I was squatting with my foot out and my knee was right. caving in. That was my that was my brain. Like when I needed to be in that position, my brain was like, 
this is your position, right. this is where you I need see. to be. I Does see. that make sense? And, and yeah, remember, totally. it, has to, it has to scale. So if, if we look at the, the science of chronic pain, for example, the pain pathway, and this is important for athletes who are in chronic pain, especially people who are engaged in high-contact sports, these bad positions get mapped with the, the movement pathway. So your brain starts to think, even if the pain stimulus isn't there, your brain starts to think, ah, you're moving this way. That's been painful for the last six months or last year. I know it's going to cause pain. So if I give you a brand-new motor pathway in your brain, boom, I get this clean motor pathway. I'm able to get athletes out of painful positions. That's like, I mean, that's check yonder thinking right there. I wanted to ask you about two things. We've got to get to gluten before we end this thing. And, and, and the other one is head trauma. Is there, you, you were talking about how the body has the ability to he heal itself, but it seems like it doesn't with head trauma. Is that he the case? Head trauma is, is super gnarly, right? I, I think, uh, you know, what MMA has done for, you know, decreasing head trauma for boxing, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's, I don't people understand, like it's so much better. I don't know if that's true. Is that really I, not true? I, look, I support MMA obviously more than anybody, but I think that uh, that's actually been disproven. I think that um, there's concerns. Impact is impact. Impact and is impact. It, it, all, right. it doesn't really – there's more possibilities in MMA to defend yourself than boxing, but impact is impact. And so we have to mitigate okay. that. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So if we look at lucky, leaky brain and the inflammatory response yes. and the quality of your tissues, how do I optimize those things? How can I change that? Can I, can I limit the damage? You know, um, one of our friends who uh, – his name's John Wellborn, played in the NFL for a bunch of years – part of that big brain study and they basically went in looked at his brain afterwards they're like you played left tackle we can play in the nfl for 10 years we can tell by the head trauma that you have they took Whoa. his tests and he uh you know he, he was like 99th percentile in analytics and like he was maybe 10th percentile in emotional iq right because oh, of the no, brain trauma big strong dude with shitty emotional weird skills. <laughs> well we look at so the, some of the nflers guys these head trauma guys boxers as well boxers so Anterior pituitary gets damaged too in there. It's not just the brain that gets rattled. Mm. So suddenly I throw off the neuroendocrine axis. You're not making HGH. You're not making gonadotropin. You're not making testosterone. So your tissues, not sense. your tissues start to <laughs> fall apart. You start to lose your sense of self-identity. <laughs> Bam! So... So how can, can you optimize that? Well, you know, are there are there mouth guards that change some of the force? We're working with the University of Texas right now on looking at concussions. Good with luck mouth with guards. that if you get crow copped. That that shin to the Dude, dome doesn't mean it doesn't give a fuck what kind of mouthpiece you're wearing. That's accumulation of blows. Like, well, I mean, but how many? How well, it's also you know we're seeing there's a higher impact of blows when it comes to kicks, and that has to be taken into consideration as well. There's some things that are happening right now with wheel kicks. With Vitor, with Edson Barbosa. Insane. Edson Barbosa started it off. He, Terry Edom. Yeah, right? he knocked out Terry Edom. And then it was uh, Uriah Hall. And then everybody was like, what the fuck is going on? And then Vitor. And everybody's like, what the fuck? And then, and then goddamn Junior Dos Santos, the, the first time he's ever thrown it in a fight, he knocks out Mark fucking Hunt. So Bruce Lee was right. Uh, well, that, that shit technique, works. That technique yes. is a motherfucker. That's so why when your pants are up in my kitchen, I know I stay away from you. The so amount of force you could put on the end of that heel bone is insane. And what's insane. what's 100%. what's awesome is it's a, it's a half beat strike, meaning yeah. that when that the time it takes for the person to turn actually th gives a flinch response where some a guy's like, yep. "Oh shit!" He doesn't what's know coming? what it is. Yeah, and, he doesn't and, and, think it's and, a kick. And what a perfect time if, if you're a young guy training MMA, practice this shit because people aren't used to it. Yeah. This is the thing: is they're they're trained. To and an and MMA like it's yeah. been it's been now guys are training pretty mm -hmm. conventional you know that's why you get a guy like Pettis 
or you yep. you get a guy like Vitor and yep. Dos Santos, those guys, I guarantee not you, even, that's not even their background. They don't even throw kicks. The, the Vitor <laughs> okay. throws so few kicks, and all of a sudden he's got two head kick knockouts in a row. It's fucking crazy. So you, you have this thing that's <laughs> it's disaster hard kick to head. What are you going to do about it? So you're, you're throwing, hey, I'm going to be an MMA fighter. Like, I'm going to try to make a life as a professional fighter. You know, I'm going to pay a price physically. <laughs> I'm going to knock that whole bunch. Vitor really supports your ideas, man. I got to tell you that. Because Vitor is a fucking tremendous athlete. That and he kid always has moves, been, too. He moves so well in every form. And look how quickly he's picking up this wheel kick shit. That's right. Dude. So one of, the, one of our definitions of best athlete is who's the kid who can pick up the new skill the fastest. Right? How how can fast can you learn a new skill? I mean, you you probably you know you see those kids that you know just be like they you show up they're like the hobby sport kid and all of a sudden they're back flipping off the trampoline and then they right. they're better at you your sport yeah. you know that you know so how do you create the athleticism? But also, I think one of the things that you, we're talking about with the gluten is how do you measure lifestyle? How do you measure nutrition? You know, and and can measure you, by your T cell count? Can you ha- optimize those things? Can can you optimize the healing response? From being knocked out, can I? You know, we have all this amazing uh, supplementary medicine, right? A lot of guys, you know, go on the gear because they need to go on the gear, should go on the gear in their forties when they're starting to break down between them and their physician. Are you in favor of that about testosterone replacement therapy amongst combat athletes? What I think, mind you, combat athletes. Yeah, combat athletes. Because it's different. It's It's also damage to the pituitary gland. Well, I mean, and I think it it depends. Like, if you take, for example, you have a guy that's experienced, say he has been fighting for 30 years, Mm -hmm. right? And he gets, now he has the same testosterone levels as a guy that's 20 years old that hasn't been fighting more than two years. Right. Then I think that that's unfair, right? You know what I'm saying? But if you it, – so it's just like so no. subjective depending on the well, situation. Well, here's what's weird. How, how often are they being tested? And what, what are their levels during training? And are they leveling no, off yeah, to yeah. a normal oh. level when they're fighting? And normal, what the fuck are they doing during the week? The, the normal you know? is not optimized. Even work? Are yeah. they testing them throughout the training no. camp? No. And then, yeah, I, I don't mean, think so. That, With some guys, be. but that's how Alistair Overeem got busted. Yeah, because they randomly surprised. This is this is yeah. this is what my my friends who uh, who know about these things say. Look, they've never seen gear make a crappy athlete a great athlete. It allows good athletes to train harder and to recover faster and get more work done. And whoever does the most work and remains the freshest wins. That makes sense. So if I'm also looking at you afterwards and you're not making tea and your life sucks, are you kidding me? Like we have ways to manage it. It's never That's a it, really it, cute romantic version of the idea, but the the reality is yes. it, it improves you drastically. If, it but improve, wait. improves your ability to perform work. It improves your ability. I said to, that. I agree. It, yeah. it also improves your explosiveness. It improves your speed. It improves your power. It improves a lot of things. It's not it's, hand-eye coordination, being able to track no, a punch, being no, able to track a ball. It doesn't do that. But if you already have those things, it will make you better. At no, those no, things. T T does change the way you can okay, perceive the ball. I see what you're saying. So because of the the the, the power and the the, the just uh, the change in nervous system the, of, the, of arousal, right? the, the, especially the the hyper hyper levels. I really want to test achieving. <laughs> I think I need hyper that. levels at some of these <laughs> but, super let's let's go to back to the pride days okay i'm not alleging that anybody did steroids but god damn it looks like a lot of people did steroids people did steroids and the people that clear. were over there told me people were doing steroids do i know people do steroids i do not know that people did steroids but let's just assume let's not name any 
nationality. Let's not let's not say. But let's think about some certain fighters that just looked insanely Insane. jacked to the gills. They didn't even look fucking human. They would come out with veins on the tip of their nose and just Angry. be berserkers and and fucking roar when they won. And you would be watching that. You like that is barely stomping a human on heads. Yeah. Stomping heads. <laughs> shoving man. referees. Macho man. Dude, if you were an MMA fan and you have not seen Pride, you are doing yourself a disservice. I would suggest start with the Vandalay Silva collection because <laughs> yes. that is the quintessential Pride fighter. And if you don't know who Fedor is, shame How on you. Dare you. Shame How on you. dare you? Not you the Fedor fuck. of today before Christianity. The yeah. Fedor pre-religion. Well, I think Fedor. he always had Christianity, man. I think you just when caught up. To I, him. I I visited Fedor and I I didn't see any of that. Oh and, really? Yeah, dude. Eris, so when did he take that on? I don't know, man. It was it was definitely post. We worked on a book with him, and it was definitely post book. You know and it was stress, post, though that that guy must have been going through. Dude, he's carrying be... the weight of a nation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And and destroying killers. killing killing monsters. Killing, by the way, how about like, we put Arlovsky away? Dude, Arlovsky and comes Fujita out with a flying and Krokop oh, and, and Fujita after Fujita fucking rang his bell. Oh, had him wobbly. Oh, and how about fucking... Frandelman's body sign on or Chris yeah. on his neck? There's a book over there, Fringology. I mean, like that's fringe. That guy's outlier. Oh well, you know what that guy was? That guy was bulletproof in the brain, dude. And when his we... brain was just ferocious. He they was... called him the Terminator. Yeah. That's how they all refer to him. And and. and what, what a, an interesting like uh, study in not wasting energy too. You never saw him with his face tensed up. You never saw him, like Dude. crazy little allies. It was always like really relaxed. And it's probably because the guy did. trained, you know, eight hours out of every day that he, you know. And I mean, those guys trained hard. We, so we, we have also who's smart as fuck. Yes, yeah. put, put it back into the realm of this room of, of human performance. Let's say that you're actually eating right. Let's say you have a great coach and you're moving right and you're actually eating right and sleeping right and managing these things. Then then your your augmentation choices matter even more. But we see people right. making – covering up bad lifestyle, bad nutrition, and that's the problem. That's my biggest problem with that stuff. Can you make a guy who doesn't have punching power – can you give him punching power or is that a yes. certain innate thing? I mean I think – that's we've all, argument, we've right? all, we've yeah, we've all met those guys that just have that like they touch you, you're out power. You can never, it's you weird. Never give had, a guy that. And you can't I've give had, a guy thunder, right? But, but you have the. Yeah, I don't know, man. And I've talked about this a lot with like fighter friends and coaches and whatever, because you always know that guy. Like that guy Jackson. that just has weird. There's a guy, Liam Harrison. He's a Muay Thai fighter. Probably not too many people know who he is, but they everybody should. Right. They know Muay Thai. I mean, he's got that just weird. I touch you, you're out power, right? And and I think a lot of it is one it, mechanics play a lot have a lot to do with it. Like if you understand how to be in good positions and understand the transfer of energy through the ground up through your body, all that stuff. But you cannot argue that there's just some of those weird guys out there who can yeah. accelerate you sparred, fast. Joe, Joe, you you spar with those guys where you just like you get hit by him. You're like yeah. that shouldn't have not have hurt as much yeah. as it did you, just now. Nervous you, you ever see fires. Lucas Matisse? You see that that boxer Lucas Matisse? No. He's this new guy. He's just KOing people left and right. It's it's amazing to watch. What him. do you think about that? Though? Can you do you think speed? some guys? I think it's a bone thing for one. Does I think, density? Yeah, like they just the got size, more weight. The size of fit. 
fists. Like so, some, some people I mean, have very large fists, like George Foreman. You ever totally, see George Foreman's totally, fists? Yeah. They're like hams. They're like canned hams. And there's that. that. There's also the like Tommy Hearns had this uh, the shoulder width thing. Oh yeah. I think shoulder width has to do with leverage, and it has to do with of the course. amount of the amount of extra travel that's going on before your punch lands. If you have like very narrow shoulders, you're not getting as much rotation into your punch. But if you got some Tommy Hearns type shit going on, by the end of that punch. <laughs> Boom! There's a lot of torque. What did the Russians do? They developed all of these skills. We have a, we have a, a coach in our gym who's, who's Russian who was plucked out of the Ukraine to be in a Russian swimming program when she was five. Oh. And basically they just trained her GPP, 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 GPP. They identified her. GPP? General physical preparedness. Skills. They taught skills to these kids. And then guess what? They decided, oh, look at that kid has huge shoulders. He's going to be good at this. This kid is upright, has long torso, short legs. He's going to Olympic live. This girl's going to swim. They start making decisions, and, and it's serendipitous for some of these guys who kind of find their calling and find their skill set, and they have hams for hands, or maybe. Right. Yeah, and I think it's like you said. It's just like you can still make the best athlete in the world better. Through good mechanics. I can optimize, right. I can like, optimize you. I can so, take so, the slack out of you. That's all I can it's, it's interesting because it really always becomes a disproportionate battle because if a guy has perfect genetics and he's intelligent and he's disciplined and he's hardworking, he's going to beat the guy who's just hardworking and has shit, time. shit slow genes. You know? <laughs> so, fucking, we all know dudes who just... Especially when it comes to striking. Striking is when it becomes apparent. There's something about jiu-jitsu that allows you to be technical... And if your positioning knowledge is two or three moves ahead of the other guy and you roll long enough, it seems like eventually you catch him for the most part, unless the guy's like really defensively minded. But dudes are helpless when it comes to striking. When a guy has that fast twitch muscle fiber and the good conditioning and the skill set, you're and, fucked. And that's what people don't realize. Striking is just different. Like Roy like, Jones Jr. is a perfect example of that. What do you mean? When Roy Jones Jr. was in, pri in his prime, he had such incredible athleticism. That you, it doesn't matter how like, timing, though, crisp like, your you, boxing is, you're you're fucked. So how, but how do you think? Can you quantify that? Do you think he everything. just got knocked out and then his yes. and he got older and his his reaction? I wanted to talk to you bit. about that because I want to talk to you about steroids because there's there's two things with Roy Jones Jr. Okay, and I'm a, I say this in all due respect, with a, I'm a huge Roy Jones Jr. fan, but he changed the John Ruiz fight. It was, in my opinion, a turning point because he went up to fight John Ruiz and he fought John Ruiz at heavyweight. He was big. He was like 200 pounds. And then he dropped back down to fight Tarver at light heavyweight and he looked like shit physically. Oh, yeah. He looked drained. His musculature was d deflated. He had a hard time making that weight. He dehydrated the shit out of himself uh, making 175. And guess what? His, all of his mechanics changed. So we know this from our powerlifters. Who, I have a friend, Jesse Burdick, who's, he, he did an elite total at 219 pounds. And then six months later, went up to 318 and powerlifted there. And when we, there's a weight component. When you have this natural weight and all of a sudden you drop a whole bunch of weight, your mechanics and leverage changes. Your proprioception changes. Mm. Like the game is different. Yeah. I have a friend who's Mark Bell, great powerlifter. His brother Chris Bell did the documentary Bigger, Faster, Stronger. So Mark was a heavyweight. So you're sort of adjusting as you're moving now because of this. They've got to relearn it all. So Mark's now at like 242, and he had to figure out how to bench again. He's like, I don't, nothing was stable. I don't know where I am. Wow. And so we don't even think about that with our fighters. Yeah. Hey, you're carrying all that oh, weight, how moving it around, and, and so part of the game. Different. Part of the game is how about this? How part of the game is like as water management, right? And and if we look at just being dehydrated or just salt, 
being down, just total salts, you can slow that reaction time coupled with being dehydrated, coupled with challenge to the nervous system. You're not sleeping very well because you're sucking weight. And then all your positions change, all your mechanics change. Your kicks don't feel the same. To change your weight class is legit. Mm, it's so it, hard. It, to it do. really is. It's really, it's, a, it's, and also, it's all, let's, the, the elephant in the room is the gear. Um, you know, I think you have to, if you're in your 30s and you're gaining 30 fucking pounds, you're on gear. Okay, let's just be realistic. Let's and, be realistic. Let's just yes, say, he's doing it within six months. Uh, totally. What do you think what the percentage you, yeah. is of pro athletes? Let's just be safe and say that. Lance, I, Armstrong, Lance Armstrong, fuck that debate sideways. Well, like, okay? like I would say, like now it think, seems like almost everybody. Like you think like eighty percent. What if you're going to put a percentage behind it? I what would you think? The, like the a global, re- like all sports. I think you know? yeah, I think like that 80, might MMA might be like eighty percent. I think MMA is actually lower than I think most professional sports. In my opinion, there's guys like Roy Nelson. Guys like John Fitch, that are just outspoken against, like, hey, you know what, fuck, and they've taken a stance, and now they're not going to. And it's an honor and a valor thing, as opposed to basketball. Like it's combat. It's like no disrespect to basketball. No, 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 not at all. But like in basketball, you're not hitting another person in the face on purpose. I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's also there's a reality of the sport itself, the impact that you take over and over and over again, and just in training, where you're going to get the kind of traumatic injuries that almost don't heal naturally. It's it's a natural occurrence. Don't you, heal under the parameters. I still have to train. I still got to get work done. I yes. still got to. Yeah, and you're that's absolutely right. Two, two, How do I accelerate? Dude, that's 100. Yeah. This is this is the condition of the fighter. Is that they feel like they you know in MMA specifically you have so many variables that you have to cover. So you're constantly you're you're constantly pushing to train every single variable all the time, and it's very difficult. Like yes. right. So you're always overtrained like i think yes. most mma fighters nowadays are overtrained and then they look for well, something like hey how can i recover so that i can fit all this fucking wrestling and right. boxing and muay thai and skills into like a day session dude i've trained for fights i've overtrained it's fucking it's horrible. impossible to not do it not impossible. Yeah. so how do, how do we look around then and say okay I'm, I'm i'm a fighter this is my main thing how do we look around and say someone has invented this wheel already what are the best right. practices elsewhere? So, well, I think with, with fighters, when I say it's impossible to not do it, what I mean is it's impossible to not do it if you're not approaching the whole situation knowledgeably with a heart monitor and someone who knows what the fuck is going on. And I think that's what really what's important. But, about Joe, it. what's crazy about this, and this is what we're – so just a little bit of background. So like Rob Wolf – Paleo solution, uh, nutrition genius, right? Right. He, I was lucky great enough. Great guy, too. Great guy, yeah. So I was lucky enough to be under his wing, strength and conditioning. And, Bacon and, aficionado. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, what, what's great about what Kelly brings to the table is everybody knows, like, all the fighters know, like, hey, I need to eat correctly. I need to sleep. I need to train. I need to do all this stuff. But none of them, and I guarantee this because I didn't know it, none of them understand, like, the, the movement blueprint. Like, right. hey, what's the master blueprint? What are the key fundamental principles that I need to know to optimize movement function? So, for example, if I'm going to optimize nu- my nutrition, I know if I'm taking a paleo stance, I know that I need, to, I need to get rid of gluten, right? I need to maybe in some situations lower my carbs or, or um, ditch you know, dairy. Ditch dairy or, Both of or, them? God or, damn it. Or, or, hold on, hold on. And, and, and maybe You're human. I, you can still buffer up right? sometimes. So, but people know this. But my point is, is like fighters know this, but not a lot of people understand – Hey, what's the movement blueprint? Like, okay, I'm in pain. I know I'll be in less pain if I don't eat gluten, but why am I still in pain? Oh, okay, it's we keep saying that without even explaining it. So All let's right. get into that because we've got to wrap this bitch up All in right. about five minutes. What's wrong with gluten? Gluten causes inflammation 
on disproportionately for different people. Some people have a small reaction to it. Some people have a big reaction to it. That inflammatory, constantly inflamed state, that means that you do not adapt as well. You do not recover as well. It's like always running a low-grade infection. I had a chiropractor just tell me that. So she was talking to me about an inflammation, and well, so she was test, me- recommending the McKenzie protocol. It's a bunch of different kinds of stretches. Test, test, retest. Kill the gluten. Do you feel better, yes or no? Did your times go better, yes or no? I feel better except when I'm eating. That's <laughs> because the problem. Because it tastes so damn good. <laughs> Linguini with clams is one of my fucking weaknesses, man. Like you I am can a, get gluten mostly Italian. Pasta, man. You can eat shit too if you want. <laughs> want to sit down with a bowl of dicks? Hey, oh, hey mom, hey mom, this isn't gluten free. You're dead. Somebody, try, who the fuck, Tate was trying to tell me, well, you can have a little spaghetti squash. I'm like, how dare you compare spaghetti your squash. fucking <laughs> shitty spaghetti squash to lasagna. So you should, but here's the deal. You? you should what probably, you my friend Tate, if you're eating right, you should probably be able to have lasagna at mom's house and not mess Sundays, you up. right? You should, what you should do is like have a day, right? Well, not even a day. Like, listen, if you're, in, if you're at a wedding, you're at your daughter's wedding, you should probably eat the fucking cake. Yeah, don't don't be an ass. If I make you but, bread, it's homemade bread, and, and, eat the and bread. And don't be an asshole. Like, Joe, you That's might, a unique event well, unless you have 365 daughters. Yeah, well, Joe, here's the deal. Like, everybody's on a spectrum, right? Like, you might be on that spec, that one end, like Kelly was just saying, where you can eat it and not feel sweet fuck all, right. but you can be on the other end where you you have celiac disease and right. like you eat too much of it, you'll like well, over time. Well, same with alcoholics as well. So how about this? We measure. We we ask all our athletes to get a good blood panel that we have worked with a company in our gym that's kind of started out of our gym, and we like don't just take your cholesterol. We fractionate your cholesterol. We look at the inflammatory markers because you suddenly you're like, oh, I'm gluten free. I don't eat dairy, but I'm eating bacon every day. And, and we saw people's cholesterol like triple, quadruple. Turns out like you're not actually. I'm not set up to run that much saturated fat and eat nuts. You poor bitch. Because let me tell you something. I fucking float through bacon like I'm a, I'm like a surfer. On the bacon fat highway. Mm. It's okay I, I, unless there's no a million problem dog, with there's a million dollars on this fight. It's cool. Go right ahead. It's beautiful as I get my cholesterol checked and it's it's so perfect. What's and your... yet I'm floating on a fucking so you, but you, river of bacon you fat. You handle it and the and the. <laughs> Hang, hanging 10 on bacon but the key is how do you know well you measure it so yeah. you, you did what you said exactly what we need to be doing how do we know what we know it's observable I'm completely people. bullshitting if I have bacon once every four weeks it's a lot I try to eat pretty clean I, I, um, I try to eat only things that grow in the ground I try to eat grass fed meat as much as humanly possible who's that fighter who has a hunter for him What's that? There's a fighter who has his uh, own hunter. Uh, cowboy. Yeah, uh, Cerrone. He, he has his own hunter Don for him. He, is that what you're talking about? Tim, Don, Tim, Don, Tim Sylvia, again, is a big hunter. He, yeah. uh, he eats only. Or Brock Lesnar. That guy yeah, chokes out hunter. deer. Yeah. Yeah. If you, you, you hunter, do you eat meat? Oh, yeah. Do you eat, like, do you go hunting? Do you ever I eat don't. venison? Yes. Fuck. It's a, this, I have crazy theories about food when it comes to especially things that are fast. I think things that are really difficult to catch make you that run away from you, I think they're better for you. That's oh. why they're so slippery. I think we figured out how to beat the whole fish thing with hooks, but try catching a fucking fish without a hook. And meanwhile, fish are nutritious as shit. You know? I mean, they're, like, really fucking good <laughs> what, for you. What did Forsyth say? You know what you eat? You're what you eat eats. 
Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what you eat eats. What is what you're eating eating? So if you eating? ate yeah. a lion, well, you'd it, be like super healthy. Well, what do deer eat? They eat a lot of grass and like leafy vegetables and delicious nutrients are in their protein. You know, you eat them and they they taste so much better. It's concentrated vegetables right yeah. there. African, the Africans eat flies. What's your, what's your question with gluten? They eat fly Joe. hamburgers. You ever seen that yeah, shit? Yeah, and look at their That is the most system. fucked up thing. They eat mosquitoes and flies. They'll take a, like a bucket and they... they whip this bucket through a a, a big cloud of flies and bugs until they get it at the bottom of the bucket and they scrape it into patties and make burgers out of it. But it's protein. I mean, you're fucked. You don't, you're, not, you're in Africa. You got to do what you got to do. That's right. And, and the human being is designed for survival. You're My question, go. because we, this is going to end really soon, and thank you very much for doing this. It's been beautiful. We got to do it again for sure. Um, the uh, the the issue with gluten is it just our bodies are not designed for it? Is it had to do with genetically modifying the actual wheat itself, which did happen in like the early 1950s or 60s, I believe. I forget which one, but look it up. I don't have time to Google. The, um, the the people that were making wheat in this country, they, they sort of uh, engineered it to be a stronger, hardier wheat. And that's when people started having real issues as far as, like, digesting it. Um, some people didn't. And some people still don't. But for a lot of people, it's a big issue. My kid is super sensitive. She won't eat the birthday cake. She eats some frosting. She Your kid's cake. a freak. I don't care me talk to you. You're a goddamn alien. She's cruel. I just had a five-year-old birthday party at my house. Kids were eating cake like it was fucking going out of style. How dare you? How dare you lie to the children? Hey, you're a terrible you're father. Do- no, I'm a beautiful father. If your daughter got some real cake and you weren't around, she would go crazy. No. The problem is she would eat the ice cream. She'd go, she'd go crazy for the ice cream. Just teasing. I'm sorry. I don't even remember what, just look, what You're on we were it. We are talking like, about gluten. I mean, here's the deal. You should never take our word for it. You should test right. and retest yourself. Don't take anyone's word for it. Go ahead and dump a bunch of medium-chain triglyceride oil into your coffee with some butter and tell me if it doesn't taste better. Yes or no? Do you feel better? Do you have more energy in the day? Yes or no? This is the only thing that matters to us. Like, you are your best experiment, and you have the right to experiment yourself the whole life. You know, Sorry. So, yeah. but like you were saying with the lacrosse ball, like you yeah. do that, right? And, right. and th- this is like the brilliance behind Kelly's system is like you do it. The test retest is immediate. Like, oh, my shoulder feels better immediately. Right. You ask, really, literally immediately. Like, like, so I, you asked earlier, what do you do about knee pain? And, 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 and it's just like, one, you correct your mechanics. You understand what is the movement that's causing the knee pain? And then two, like what can I do on a tissue level? That's going to improve the pain immediately. What, like what upstream, the, downstream. You should. Really what is actually going on with the what is the lacrosse ball doing? Like when the lacrosse ball, like what's like the technical explanation? It uh, has this material that absorbs your pain. Oh, what's happening? It's made is, out of souls. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> such, so it, it, uh, you are stiff. You're you're improving the function and the congestion and the and the, uh, the hydration of the tissues. One. Two is that you're undoing this stuck pattern of fascia, so you change that until it moves again. Three is that you probably get your ribs moving. Four is that you change your thoracic mobility. You change that orientation of thoracic spine, and the whole system upregulates. You're in a better shape. All right, last question. What is it about gluten? Because I don't think we totally cover this. What is it about it that makes your body inflamed? What's going on when irritates you eat? The, irritates the, the, the small intestine. The small it intestine. irritates it? How is it? Is it because it's a foreign thing that it's not normal to the human diet? That's is right. that what it is? It cause, it's like having a root canal festering in your mouth. That's your small intestine. Really? Yep. God like, damn, but it's, it comes in the form of spaghetti. Well, you really have to understand is gluten is just a protein, right? Your small intestine. Donuts? Donuts are gluten? Oh, the fuck, Fried in sugar. Bam. <laughs> Cats sleeping with dogs. With I'm out of here. Waffles. Oh, my God. Waffles.
The Belgian waffle at the uh, and even sometimes chicken because fried chicken is made with bread. It's you're in denial, bread. Joe Rogan. You will never go gluten free because you just can't let go. No, it's I like do. a heroin I don't, addiction. You're right. It's I'll like, never glow. Like, no, yeah, you will. Convince me to you stop will. smoking cigarettes. <laughs> you I will go low gluten, <laughs> not gluten free. I only have one cigarette a day. How many how many servings of gluten would you recommend in a week for a man like me of obviously robust character and strong <laughs> genetics? Luscious breasts was that the, the right justification yeah. begins? Delicious. 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 How, mu- how much heroin can I have? <laughs> <laughs> is it that bad? No, is, is, is it a not. drug? It's, it's, but it's, it's a not drug, that right? bad. But like, look, if you're looking, Dave Asprey opti- thinks it's a drug. He thinks dude, gluten's a drug. Dude, it has an opiate effect in your body, right? It does, so it has right? like a similar effect, maybe not the same to the same degree. But like, look, what you have to understand is, are you trying to optimize your life, your function, whatever, whether it be movement, sleep, whatever listen, it is? Is listen, it, is your money? Is your, you're making your money from your body. Are you making your money from your body? If you do, why aren't you playing, why aren't you playing those corners? Like you really, you're, right. you're like uh, this. This. If you're making of- your money from your body, but most of the people you're talking to aren't. But even for them, optimization and and also there's a reward for that discipline. When you eat on Sunday, if you have a cheat day on Sunday, if you eat six days of good food a week, and then one day you but go like, off hey, like look, a rock, you're, like, you're probably a human being. Day. Yeah, you're a human being, or you might be the Rock. <laughs> you you go can, to the Rock's Twitter. He's got the greatest cheat days of all time. You can, <laughs> but you can buffer a bunch of stuff. I mean, you can, yeah. you're, you know, you should, and and you should live a life. Like Mark Sisson has a really reasonable ideas about this. He puts a little sugar in his coffee. And he's like, you know what? My life is better when I put sugar in my coffee. Soon. That guy's a pussy, for the record. <laughs> well, that's a compliment. That's such a nice it thing is. to say it's about a good him. Thing. We already established that, and that's how we're going to end this. We're going to go full circle. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. That was awesome. Kelly, you're a bad motherfucker. If people want to get Kelly's book, it is called Becoming a Supple Leopard. Do you have a copy of it, Brian? You should put it up in front of the camera. Look at that. Becoming a Supple Leopard. Dr. Kelly Starrett, you are a bad motherfucker, sir, and I appreciate you coming here. And Thanks I, I much, hope guys. we sell you some books because I really think it's going to help. And I'm so glad that you were the guy that invented the lacrosse ball because that thing, I'm telling you, has helped me more over the last couple months. Demons than Anything of you. It's, it's so hard to get a, a person to massage you that hard, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you, you're not going to get a massage every day. You don't have time. Exactly. And you only it's know expensive. where your bullshit is, hey, right? Exactly. Talk Glenn to me after Cordova. Doza. You mother. Doza. Dova. Doza. Whatever. Same thing. Change your name, son. It's not as catchy <laughs> as the Mexican version. <laughs> <laughs> Hola. I'm Glenn. Glenn Cordova. In the house, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to Irish. Um, uh, thank you everybody for tuning into the podcast. Uh, thank you on it. Go to O N N I T. Use the code name Rogan. Save ten percent off any and all supplements. And please follow Kelly on Twitter. It is Mobility W O D, which is workout of the day. So Mobility M O D or W O D. Excuse me, Mobility W O D on Twitter. And uh, Glenn, what is your? Uh, you got a Twitter, man? No, I have, zero, I have like fifteen followers. That's gangster and, and as zero fuck, tweets. bitches. That's gangster zero, as fuck. Zero do you have a Twitter? No, I do not, sir. I right. have a Twitter, but yeah. We'll be back on Monday with Bobcat Goldthwait, ladies and gentlemen. Bobcat returns to the podcast. Big kiss. And we're going to work out something next week for, uh, for Kevin Smith. Uh, we're going to go to his place and do his mm-hmm. podcast. Holla. Brian, you want to come? Yes, yes of course yeah. you do. All right, he wants you to come, too. All right, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys Monday. Uh, Jihad, praise Odin. Big kiss. Big <laughs> kiss.